five survivors remain. They're about to blow this game apart. He's going down. Survivor, 8.30 Wednesday on 9. Tonight after Frasier, Judging Amy. Then at 8.30, an elaborate series of slayings on CSI, followed by an intense new episode of Stingers. One wrong move could shatter her. Better get her out of there. That's all I know. If you break the ice too close, she breaks with it. So what the hell do we do? Third Watch, 9.30 Wednesday on 9. Could something big be just around the corner on an all-new Temptation? The big star with a cure for the common show, Magda's Funny Bits. Gary Sinise is on the trail on an all-new CSI New York. That's later tonight, but coming up now, all-new Burt's Family Feud. The home of the Commonwealth Games. This is Channel 9. Survivor Archives, the only podcast going over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way through to the current day. It's great to be back as we start a completely new season here on ASA. Welcome to Season 2, Celebrity Survivor. Australian Survivor Season 2 from 2006. Maybe the most forgotten about season in the history of of Australian Survivor. We all know we went through the entire season one last year. We talked about that season and how that's kind of been left behind in the history of Australian Survivor. But I still feel people will remember it in some way, think, oh, that sucked, at least we've got a better one now. And they often forget that there was another version of Australian Survivor that happened in between Channel 9's attempt and Channel 10's current attempt. This, of course, is the Channel 7 version for 2006, and it is so exciting to be able to be back and start to talk about a brand new season on ASA. My name is Ben, and I'm here to play hard, play safe, and play to win. 
play safe, isn't it? Play hard, play. We is were it wrong, safe? Matthew Dyson. It's no, we will talk about this. We've been very wrong in the last couple of years. Uh, no, I, I, what I said was accurate. Hi all, it's Matt Dyson, as you know, and Ben, you said it's great. You said it's exciting to be back. It's fantastic to be back. We've had a long break. We're now into season two, Celebrity Survivor. And you're right, Ben, like this is often the the forgotten season because it kind of just happened and was forgotten about. And I have to admit, Ben, I'll admit to everyone right now, I never watched it at the time. Um, I wasn't around at the time. I was traveling and I just never watched it. And it was only until probably the last year that I actually watched this season. And Ben, it, it's actually not too bad. Like, yes, there's some faults about it, which we're going to cover all through this season, no doubt. But Ben, to be here today with you starting season two on ASA, mate, it, it's I, let's just get into it, Ben. I'm excited. I'm like big Kev all over again. I'm excited. You really are, Matt. Like, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a few months since we've been on air. Uh, you've really built it up. I like it. It's great. Um, but no, it's 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 good to be big Kev. Big Kev could have been on this season, couldn't he? <laughs> he could. He should have. He should. Yeah. Have. But ben, but Ben, I've got to admit, we had a long lay lay you know, lay between the the two seasons. And I was starting to think you weren't calling me back. I was starting to think you know you're you're looking for a new co-host. So I got the call up. I'm back on ASA to do it all over again with you. And uh, mate, we're going to learn a lot on this season because I'm going into the season blind, mate. I've seen it once. You know, I don't know a lot about it. I'm going to admit that to you now. So. I'm excited to learn about what actually went down in Vanuatu back in 2006. I I am on the same page with you with a lot of what you said. Um, I never watched this season when it aired. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a unique perspective that here we are an Australian Survivor History podcast and we're both admitting that we did not watch this. And we'll talk about, I think, why we didn't watch this shortly. But uh, I've watched it a few more times uh, than once. I've, I've caught up and sort of going into this very fresh off a, off a rewatch as well. And I, I'm with you in the fact that I'm kind of going in blind as well because I and I think this is a season that you and I are really going to be learning as well as the audience is right now going along with it because it it is a, not only a season that you and I are not overly familiar with in terms of the ins and outs and everything with it, it's not a very publicised season with the ins and the outs. It's, it's kind of... A lot of the things that we learnt on Season 1, Whaler's Way, weren't necessarily complete secrets. They had been things that had been discussed over the years. They had just maybe been forgotten about. We obviously had a handbook that was published with a lot of those things in it. Uh, The Channel 10 version, we live in a social media world now. A lot more people are talking. Podcasts exist. A lot of people have told stories and everything. This is the anomaly. This really is the anomaly. We, We know that in the last recent times that we've had Guy Leach do an interview with the Golden God on his podcast, that was an anomaly, like kind of hearing those things that Guy Leach was saying about. This is a learning experience for everyone involved. And this is where I think we talked a lot about last season about how we were sad to leave season one behind because that to me was my personal one that I was looking forward to covering the most. But there was a sense of excitement moving into this season because this is that that middle ground where I want to know these stories that we're going to find out across the next however many episodes we're going to be covering season two with. And I think, I hope that we can achieve a similar level of what we did across season one, but on a, on a new level. Because as I mentioned at the introduction of this episode, 
a lot of people are still aware of the Channel 9 one, whether or not they like to admit it exists or not. This is legitimately one that you will still get people saying, oh, that existed. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, that doesn't count or things like that. So I think kind of I would like to come out of this learning a lot about this season. I would like to come out of this acknowledging this season's existence a lot more than we did maybe with season one so it can be put out there properly in Australian Survivor and, and really come out of this in, a, in several weeks' time with a similar feeling that we did on season one and just just fall in love with this season even more. Because I'm telling you now, you said it's not that bad. On my rewatch that I literally finished today before recording this, I really, really enjoyed this season <laughs> on my maybe my third time ever seeing this season. So a lot of convoluted things I've just said in that little spill there, Matt. But um, it's, it's an interesting moment to be covering this because I, I don't think any podcast in history has ever covered this season outside of maybe Guy's interview that he did with the Golden Gold. We obviously spoke with Amber on the Oz Network as a bit of a backdoor pilot for this podcast. But yeah, this 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 is a bit of a history-making moment, I want to say, right now in, in the world of Australian Survivor. A podcast is finally covering Celebrity Survivor from Survivor Australia. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. I think, you know, when, when you look at season one, that was the season that a lot of people now just want to forget for for whether it's the right reason or wrong reason this season i think is just is just the forgotten season i think either people don't know about it or people genuinely just forgot that it ever existed because it was slightly different it did have celebrities on it they were playing for charity um but you're right we 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 were lucky enough to do the amber petty interview on the oz network and ben you think about all the stuff we learned just from that one episode that's what i'm hoping by covering the whole season that we're going to learn so much more. So there's so many things that, that us as fans of survivor don't know. And, and the, the general public that will be listening to these podcasts will have no idea. And we'll discover that along the way, you know, hopefully we can get as many of the contestants on as possible. It, it might be a little harder than it was with season one. Um, you know, obviously we are dealing with, with celebrities. Um, some are a bit harder to track down. Um, Dicko was the host for God's sake. I mean, Ian Dicko Dixon, like, um, how good is he as a host? Can I just say oh. one thing? How good is- we're going to be talking a lot of Dicko this season? We, yeah, um, that really is something that surprised me. That I thought out of all the hosts, he's going to be the one that's going to be the the one that we're going to shit can the most. And we kind of did, I feel, a little bit at the very beginning, at least of, of season one. But no, he actually has a bit about him that that I'm gonna defend and I think he's actually a very good host this this is the thing with this season everything again that you just said like forgotten this that and everything else but like the great thing about this season I want to put this on the record right now is that this is such a bridging gap between the two eras of Australian Survivor a perfect bridge to connect the two and as much as you and I often talked about season one was ahead of its time and needs to get more credit for this I'm going to go on the record and say this is even more ahead of its time. This is, to me, the most complete Australian Survivor season we've ever had in the fact that it's got a large portion of old school about it. It's got a large portion of new school about it. It's it's edited so tightly. It's It's got some great moments of it that just never get talked about. Uh, the gameplay is pretty good. 
there is a ridiculously stupid twist in this season, which is maybe the worst. Well, probably not the worst. We've had, you know, it was a dead man walking in Channel 10. We'll get to that in a few years. Sorry. You can't not laugh at dead man walking, I, can you? I, I, mean, I actually forgot about that dead man walking. How dead bad was that? Oh. Sorry. That's the worst twist in Australian survival history. But, like, there's just so much about this season that, that needs to be acknowledged about how good it, good it actually is. And I think... On that, when Channel 10 announced that they were doing Australian Survivor, we, I know on Survivor Oz, taught, we did an episode kind of what do we want out of Australian Survivor, and that was Cable, myself, and Noah. Um, I might not have even been on that. It might have just been Cable and Noah, actually, now that I think about it. And a lot what was talked about, you know, the mistakes that were made, I guess, in our two versions that we had before Channel 10, a lot of what was concluded was that Channel 7's version nearly got it right. And that, you know, they, they improved on the Channel 9 version. They got it a lot closer to the US version, which I would say on paper now, yes, true in terms of what we expect. But obviously we spent 36 episodes defending season one. So I think my opinion has changed that slightly. But my point is, what I'm trying to say here, is that this season holds up in a modern era of Survivor so much more than I think it's ever given credit for. We talk so much about season one holding up more so now that you can appreciate it. This feels like this was made in the last couple of years. Mm. This doesn't feel 15 years old. And I guess that's my point with this season is that it's very tightly packaged and well done and just something about this season which is just, it's actually really, really good. And I, I would almost, Matthew Dyson, with the exception of, of one season, I would think, put this ahead of any other of the Channel 10 seasons. And that's controversial. But I I would go out on a limb. It's a toss-up between this and a, one of the Channel 10 seasons to me in, if I was to rank these seasons right now. You're spot on about having the modern feel with this, with this season. Uh, I know there was only, what, five years between filming dates from season one and season two. But just the fact that season one was in that early 2000s technology, you know, wasn't quite as good. There was a lot of advances in that, even in that five years. And you come to season two and you're right, it just has that modern feel. Like you can watch it today and you're not sitting there, I guess, like season one and thinking, oh, geez, this is an old season. This, you can watch it. Like that opening scene with with um, Dicko on top of Mount Yasser, like that is just – like. Can I just say right now, you're talking about this is one of the, the better seasons. That is the best opening Hands in down. the history of it. Hands, Hands down. Easily. Like, yep. Don't even bother trying to argue with me, anyone. By hands down, hands down, this is the best opening to any Australian Survivor season ever. So um, it, it is brilliant. And, and if that was filmed today, if you were watching a new season today and that was the opening scene, you would be like sitting there clapping. So um, for something that was shot 15 years ago, that's it's it's pretty awesome. So look, you're right. They almost got it right. You know, for a celebrity season, it was always going to be that. You know, people are like, well, do we want celebrities? It was the only the second one we'd ever done in Australia. People just wanted to see normal people play the game. But they almost got it right. If it wasn't for that twist, Ben, um, I would almost say they did get it right. Yeah, you're right. The the, the twist really does you know, detract from this season. And we're thankfully a long time away from that. But I think let's bring up our favorite word on this podcast, context. Um, it's it's interesting how you say about how 
you know, you watch the first season, wow, this is a really old season, this one feels a lot more modern. I mean, reality television had developed in droves in, in the four years between season one and season two airing. And I think it's also interesting to kind of go back to where we're talking about how you and I never watched this. And I think you, you touched on it very slightly in your introduction about how this kind of came out of nowhere. You know, season one was heavily promoted. This was a season that was dropped during Australian Outback, come and apply for Australian version of Survivor. This is, you know, your opportunity to play the game that you love. It At peak Survivor, when Survivor is the number one show in the world, the interest was through the roof. You know, you had Today Tonight flying over Whaler's Way trying to, you know, sneak a peek. Like, it was massive through the absolute roof. This came at a period where reality television had developed, you know, it, this was the, the staple genre basically now that we know it is today really, and not a whole lot has changed. It really settled down in 2006, you know. We'd gone from these outlandish reality TV ideas to kind of really what we are today with a lot of it. And we were really in this period of reality television in Australia where celebrities were the the, mo- the thing of the moment. You know, Dancing with the Stars was very fresh at that point. The, the singing version of Dancing with the Stars, It Takes Two, was there at that point. I believe there had been a celebrity version of Big Brother around this point as well. So, you know, celebrity reality shows were the in thing at this point. And basically, this is how this show came about. So... To kind of go on the, the briefest backgrounds of how this show exists, why it's on a different network, and everything else in between, Channel 7 basically found a loophole in the contracts through Castaway Television that allowed them to do their own version of Survivor if they did a celebrity version. And of course, Channel 7, being the network that loves their celebrity versions of reality television, jumped on this. So it didn't breach any contracts with Channel 9, because I believe Channel 9 still held the rights to any local version should it ever be produced at that point. Uh, they basically went with this. And I vaguely remember this being announced in 2006 as a, hey, coming in a couple of weeks, we have Celebrity Survivor. Like, it wasn't like this was announced in January or February coming to, like, you know, the end of this year. And I could be completely mistaken here, but I just vaguely remember this being completely dropped. This is going to be on TV in a couple of weeks, and you're like, wow, where did that come from? And it basically came and went just like that, and then everyone seemingly forgotten about it because it didn't get a second season and kind of it, we had to wait 10 years in before Australian Survivor ever returned. It was very, very unique in how this all came about because we talked about how heavily promoted season one was, arguably the most heaviest promoted season in Australian Survivor history to arguably the least promoted season in Australian Survivor history, which, again, we'll talk about the casting of this in this episode and, of course, a lot throughout this season, but... I don't know if that goes down to the cast of this because whereas Dancing with the Stars is is getting biggish names for Australian television, even Celebrity Big Brother, I think, had a pretty decent cast of stars. I remember seeing the cast for this when it was announced, going, oh, Celebrity Survivor, and literally going, I've heard of two of those people moving on. And I think that's an Australian thing as well. We have that, don't we, when it comes to celebrities. We just They're not a celebrity, they're not a celebrity, they're not a celebrity. We're not as accepting of our celebrity reality shows as they are in the US and other countries. So that's it was a weird period that this got dropped on us suddenly. It was a weird cast. It was a weird loophole. And then of all things, it's on the weirdest network to have this, Channel 7, which I just want to say right now on episode one of season two, episode 37 overall, that I really don't have a lot of nice things to say about Channel 7. So 
please join me on this lovely ride over the coming weeks of Ben Mortarworth Dislikes Channel 7, and we'll get into that very soon. Matt, please talk to me. Take me off this rant. <laughs> well, I think I have to, otherwise we'll be here for hours, but... Uh... I know, I know your love of Channel 7 is a little limited at the best of times, but so Celebrity Big Brother, just I, I want to put this in just so we know what sort of time frame we're looking at. So Celebrity Big Brother was on in, in, in 2002. Now, one of those contestants is actually a contestant three years later, uh, four years later on Celebrity Survivor, Imogen Bailey. So oh. Imogen Bailey was on Celebrity Big Brother Did and then obviously that. this season. Um I need to give a little shout out to Warwick Kappa too. He he was eject he was ejected on day thirteen of, of Big Brother. He was. Um, Turkey slapped uh, someone, did he? Yes, he did something like that. Didn't he pull his pants down or something? But um, <laughs> I just thought, seeing we're bringing up Celebrity Big Brother, it would be rude of me not to mention uh, Warwick Kappa and his him getting ejected from the game. Now we we don't have anyone getting ejected um, from this game, thankfully. Uh, maybe if Warwick Kappa was the one that got to. Re- Got to come and play. Would we want to Warwick Capper on a Celebrity Survivor? Well, I think we want Warwick Capper on everything. Don't I mean, look, Warwick Capper is a bit of a knob, but he's actually an entertaining knob. Let's be honest. He was on a Celebrity Apprentice that I watched. He was he was fine. Hasn't he done I'm a Celebrity Get Me? Of course he has. He he just, as soon as he hears the word celebrity in a TV show, Warwick Capper's already at casting. He just knocks on the door of the network, doesn't he? <laughs> now, Ben, who else? Oh, here's a bit of trivia for for you. Who else from Celebrity Big Brother also makes an appearance on Celebrity Survivor? Look, well, I mean, this is where I feel like you're you're playing a blurred line of technicality here because we actually have arguably the most second most famous Big Brother contestant in the history of Big Brother is a loved one of this season. So I'm guessing it's Sarah Marie. Did she make a reappearance in Celebrity Big Brother? She did. She did. You're spot on. So Wow. No, so I can't wait to get to that episode. The random appearance of <laughs> Sarah Marie, the bum dance bunny girl herself. <laughs> oh, but, but Which, you know what? Just just getting back to this season, I, I actually really enjoy this cast. I, I actually do. I think one thing I'll say right now, you know I was very critical on season one about how many 20-year-olds there were in that cast, especially in Kadena. We had five of the eight contestants who were in their 20s. In this cast, I know there's only 12 people in this cast, but only two of them are in their 20s, and they're in their late 20s. Imogen Bailey, 28, and Elton Flatley, 28. Can I just say about Elton Flatley? When I saw that he was on here, I'm like, why isn't he playing football? Well, of course, we know he was. he played, you know, youngest guy to ever play a hundred games for for Queensland Reds he was a was he a former vice captain of of, of the Wallabies that, that, that's a you like uh, I've I've heard I've heard of Elton Flatley uh, well, he's not the guy who did Lord of the Dance um that's Michael <laughs> Flatley uh but other the stats on the rugby side of things mate that's your department I'll well, get to the yeah. AFL ones when we get to Simon Black and and those well, sort of people so I'm not a huge rugby union fan but back then I did actually follow it a fair bit you know um the Wallabies had a, had quite a good team and and Elton Flatley is a Queenslander still lives in Queensland now um and uh, yeah, played played a lot of games for the Wallabies. And when I saw that he was 28, I'm like, why isn't he playing football? Why is he out playing Celebrity Survivor? And I, he actually had an injury that ended his career just before this. So he ended his career, and obviously, you know, this was the next step that that he took was um, not long after retiring that he went out and played. But 
I actually really enjoy this cast. I think it's a, a really good um, age bracket. So we've got anywhere from 28 to 47. So David Oldfield's the oldest player in this in the season at 47. But Ben, should we go through the cast and explain Look, a bit of? I, I do because it's it's important to go over this casting and everything too. But because I I got a bit to say about the casting. I'm glad you brought up Celebrity Big Brother and and I I. I, I vaguely remember Celebrity Big Brother. I don't think it aired in Tasmania because we had a weird TV sharing thing where Channel 10 and Channel 7 shows aired on the same network. So often we wouldn't get some Channel 10 shows. So I think we got normal Big Brother but never got Celebrity Big Brother. But looking at the cast of that, um, i got to say, bit more of a highly regarded celebrity list than Celebrity Survivor. I mean, Red Simons, Anthony Mundine, Warwick Kappa... Um, Kyle Sanderlands, Jay Gaia, uh, you know, pretty big names on that cast. Um, I want to go over some other, because the one thing I'll say about the cast of this season, Matt, you, you mentioned Imogen Bailey. Several of these people are renowned for appearing on celebrity versions of reality. David Oldfield, let's be honest, is a celebrity reality show junkie. He is on all of them. Uh, um, Kim Johnson was uh, to a point. She still kind of is. Um, you know, a few of these are Dicko. We can't let him escape, but, uh, I'll get to the cast before we get through the casting and the host and all that sort of stuff. I just wanted to quickly ask you back on my point, uh, of like remembering the promotion of this and why I didn't watch it. I, I just quickly say, I didn't watch it again, saw it, didn't like the cast. And then I think I was on that mindset of a celebrity survivor. That's a bit dumb. Um, and for just whatever reason, I never watched it. I remember my dad talking to me about it going, actually, Ben, this isn't that bad. Like you should watch it. And I'm like, eh. And, you know, I only watched this for the first time maybe four years ago. It took me a long time. Why? Give us a quick brief of sort of, again, why you didn't watch it. Sort of, do you remember it being promoted? Do you remember much about this period when it was on? No. So when when it um, would, have, would have been getting advertised and, um, and then aired, I was actually on my big trip in Africa for seven months. So I wasn't even in the country. So that all happened right in that period where, where this was, um, was, was filmed and then aired. So... I just missed it. And as we know, we mentioned a lot in channels uh, on season one, you couldn't, it's not like now you couldn't just go back and rewatch this stuff. And then, um, you know, so I missed it. I just, to be honest, I just didn't really know anything about it. And I was like you, like, I'm like, Oh, it's, it's 25 days. It's celebrities. You know, I'm like, uh, um, you know, and, and, and unless your other mates that are big survivor fans are raving about it as well. Um, you sort of just move on, you know, and, and, I wasn't going to go to that that trouble of trying to track it down and watch it. And now you can just watch it on YouTube, as we know. It's, it's on. It's also on the official YouTube Survivor channel. So now you can easily watch it. But uh, yeah, it wasn't the case back then. And and any spare time I had back then, I was just after that big trip. I was just always traveling. So um, you know, I'd keep up with all the American seasons. But even that, I would. I, it was hard to keep up. Like I'd have to come back from a trip. I'd, I'd binge watch a season, you know, and um, or, or sometimes two seasons. And I just never got around to it. But, you know, I, I'm so I didn't know a lot about it. I didn't know that even the advertising, as, as far as I know from reading up about it, there was ads during this uh, for Olay Total Effects where Amber Petty and Nicole Dixon um, were doing ads during the, the running of this season. So there was definitely sponsorship and, and promotion about it, but it was nothing like season one. Like season one, everyone knew that there was a survivor on. And... Also, too, Ben, you think about it. We're massive Survivor fans, and none of us, both of us, hadn't watched this at the time. So that kind of says something for the season as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And and I think kind of one thing to just briefly bring up, and the elephant in the room, I think it was kind of mentioned in our 
reunion episode of season one that uh, I think some of the players didn't consider this to be a real season because they were celebrities. And that, that is a common uh, belief along a, among a lot of Australian Survivor fans that they, they ignore this purely on that fact. They never watch it. They're like, oh, I don't want to watch celebrities play. You know, it's, it's not real Survivor. And while that may have been the case around then, I think Channel 10 has basically made this season relevant uh, based on, you know, the season that you obviously appeared on, Champions vs. Contenders, they've done that twice. Uh, if you actually analyse uh, Channel 10's version, they've only done two normal seasons of Australian Survivor. Three of them are not normal seasons. So they've actually done more non-normal seasons than they have normal seasons. Of the seven Australian Survivor seasons, only three have been normal seasons and only two winners are you could maybe consider not celebrities. I know Rob Dixon was never the biggest name AFL player, but you know, he was a notable person in some aspect. So Jericho and Christie are the only two, I guess you could say normal people to ever win Australian Survivor. But I think my point is people who claim that this doesn't exist or it shouldn't be considered because of the celebrity factor well i completely now disagree champions versus contenders have made this incredibly relevant and it makes it uh, a proper season more so than it ever was 15 years ago it's funny ben like you said i was on you know i was lucky enough to be a part of the very first champions versus contenders and i remember when i was in brisbane we had our group interview i was down to the last 200 people and um that i remember them talking to us all and they made it clear that that we knew it was a champions versus contender season, but we didn't know what that meant. Did, was that, did that mean they were getting celebrities on or was it just, you know, normal people, but were champions at their, you know, at their field of work or whatever. Um, but I remember him you know, saying to us, you know, this is, it's not a celebrity show, you know, this is, but in the end, let's be honest, it was, they, they paid celebrities to come on and fill a tribe. And then it was the other half was like me, just normal people. So yeah. it was a celebrity versus normal season. So they paid these people to come. These people didn't, you know, they didn't get uh, Matt Rogers and the commando just to come on on their own free time like me and, 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 you know, and pay them a daily wage to cover their mortgage. They were paying them good money to come on the show. So it was a celebrity season. They didn't have to apply for it. They were handpicked just like this season, people were paid to come on. So you're right, Ben. Um, it's very relevant now this season because basically all it's missing is this a half of the cast being normal people. And let's be honest, we have a normal person on this season and we'll yeah. get to him. The worst player yeah. in the history of Australian Survivor, maybe. We'll get to him. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's completely relevant. And and we we mentioned at the beginning of this episode and, and anybody who's followed us throughout the beginning, our backdoor pilot was essentially a, an interview with a contestant from this season, Amber Petty. And she discussed a lot about how real it was and all that sort of stuff. And I think a, a lot of people at the time, I remember the discussion around this was, oh, clearly Celebrity Survivor is not real. They're going to be sleeping in beds. You know, you hear the players in this season going, oh, it's real. And everyone's going, oh, bullshit. They press cut and they're being filmed, you know, in a bed and all this sort of stuff behind the scenes. And, we know from talking to Amber that this was legit. Guy Leach in his interview with the Golden God, legit. You know, they they were living how people live in Survivor. It is important to note, though, some minor things with this season, though, that kind of do detract away from it. This season is the shortest season, not only episode length. We only had 25 days as opposed to 39 days of season one and upwards of 55 days on the Channel 10 version. Uh, as you mentioned just then, people are being paid to play. No one's winning anything. That They win for their charity, which, of course, was what generally celebrity reality shows do, but the winner of this season doesn't walk away with money for themselves. $100,000 goes to the charity, but each of them get a fee 
which increases the longer they are on the show. And this is going to be a fun thing, I think, this season is to really find out the, the, the money. Because Amber was very upfront with how much she earned. Guy Leach was very upfront with how much he earned to the Golden God. So this is an interesting thing to kind of put with that. And you, just going back to what you said about how, you know, these celebrities are picked basically to be on this show, like obviously in the Channel 10 version and on this version. And we'll get into the, the casting in just a minute. But a lot of the reason why celebrities will go on celebrity TV shows like reality shows, it's a branding exercise. Of course it is. They need exposure. A lot of these people, the majority of these people are not in the public eye at that point. You're not, you're never going to get, you know, the most, Hugh Jackman is not going to come and play Australian Survivor. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe is not, you know, Chris Hemsworth. I mean, actually, in all seriousness, they could have gotten Chris Hemsworth in 2006. He was only on Home and Away back then. I mean, he was on Dancing with the Stars around about then, so they could have got him. But the point is, you're never going to get your A-listers. And this is my mindset, your mindset before, where it was kind of like, oh, they're not celebrities. I've heard of two of them. Very Australian thing. It's understandable because you do want to see household names play this. But again, you're not going to get them because they've got a brand to protect even if they want to, insurance costs alone and appearance fees alone are probably going to completely make it impossible. And it's just, this is always a cast you're going to get with these level of people. And one comment has always been made about this too, Matt. And I think maybe we just briefly tie this in before the casting. We can talk about the host and the location is that a lot of people argue, and maybe it's true that the host of this show was a bigger celebrity than any of the contestants. So it's, it's a fine line around a casting of this season and, and treating it legitimately. But again, I'm going on a weird rant here, but I agree with you when you said the cast of this season, actually pretty good. It actually holds up very well. There's maybe one dud, well, there's at least one dud. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, similar to what we said on season one, I struggle to kind of, even the ones who are the duds, have some positives to say about them that I actually like. So, yeah, I don't know where I went with that point, Matt. <laughs> Stop me! I'm really. It's been a while since we've done this. I'm really not on the on the right ball here today. Just for anyone listening that doesn't quite understand yet how things like this work, so they they would all have their agents, their, their agents that they pay a fee to, and um, and so each of them would would have negotiated how much they were getting an appearance fee from through their agent. So everyone would have been different. It wouldn't have just been a a flat fee. Um, you know, this is how much we we're offering. Then their their agent would have been negotiating. You know, so um, you know Justin Melvy, Nicole Dixon, all that. They would they would have had their agents. They would have negotiated how much they're gonna they're gonna get to, to make an appearance. And obviously, you know, um, we we do need to find out more about that. Did they get more the longer they 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 went on? We sort of heard from when we heard the the interview with um, Guy Leach. It sounds like that was the case. It doesn't sound like that was the case for for Amber Petty. She just sort of got a, a straight up fee that that she negotiated through um, her agent. So it is going to be interesting. Um, hopefully, everyone sort of is is forthcoming with how much they did get paid because it would be interesting um, to know at that time. You know, how much were they paying these 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 celebrities to to do a a celebrity show, not just Australian Survivor, but it would be interesting to know. You know, like with Big Brother and all that, like because. You're right, Ben. You sit back and you think, oh, they're not they're not the A-list celebrities because everyone wants that. But as we know, you get older, you realise they're never you're right, you, they're never gonna get these people. But um, I think look, I honestly think they they did a pretty good job. There would have been people they they would have been targeting that they they didn't get. Some people the money wouldn't have been right, or they just didn't want to do it. 
But, um, you know, so I've got no doubt they would have tried to get more well-known people at the time um, or people that were more in the spotlight. But, you know, there's only so much money they can spend and and not everyone wants to do a you know celebrity version of reality TV because they can think that that might sort of, you know, sort of put their career heading in the wrong direction. For sure. Um, and you're right. And the thing is also, too, you've got to realise Survivor is a little bit different to doing Dancing with the Stars because, again... You know, and we'll talk about this with Kim Johnson eventually. Like, you know, a lot of these people are thinking it's, oh, it's just a bit of a glamorous camping trip. They're going to give us a tent. Like I was saying before, the the public's assumption was this was going to happen. The celebrity's assumption was that too. And when they get out there and they all of a sudden think, fuck, I'm sleeping on the dirt. I'm getting crawled over by bugs. I'm sure that put a lot of celebrities off. Whereas Celebrity Big Brother, you're just in a house. You know, dancing with the stars, you're just literally dancing a couple of days a week and then you go back to your hotel and, you know, eat your strawberries and drink your champagne. However celebrities live, I don't know. It's been a while since I've been one. Matt, you're more of a celebrity than I am. But anyway, the point is, like, Survivor's a little bit different than, than one of those shows, of course, as well. So, yeah, it's and it's this is this is going back to our point at the very beginning about we're learning along the way. You know, a lot of this is stories that we're going to learn throughout the players, throughout the the executive producer, you know, all these people we have on the show that can really fill in these gaps because it will be unique to kind of go over the casting and who who missed out. This is the thing too. This is maybe that is fun about this season and when we get to like your season and Champions vs. Contenders 2 and All-Stars Channel 10, I love these seasons where we can actually get names of these people missed out. The, the one person, there is one, we'll actually, we'll get to casting. We will. Uh, there's one that we know that was very much on the list and somehow didn't happen. We know Amber talked about that one, which would have been huge if they had have gotten her at the time. But anyway, we'll get to that. But just quickly, Dicko, the host. Now, we're going to talk a lot about him uh, because, yeah, we've already said that we, both you and I are big defenders of Dicko. Arguably the, the biggest name on this entire list, and he's not even playing. He, I think he, I don't know if he won Dancing with the Stars. He was on Dancing with the Stars, one of the very early seasons, and he went quite far because... I remember when Channel 7 got him because he, of course, for people who aren't familiar with the history around Dicko or who he is, uh, I believe he's a record executive and he was kind of known for working in the music industry for a long time, was one of the original judges on Australian Idol. He was basically the Simon Cowell of Australian Idol, that he was the mean one. He was kind of the one with the nasty comments. You always needed that mean judge. And, I mean, there were national headlines around this man uh, I think, was it Paulini that he famously said, like, you're too fat, you need to lose some weight, basically, otherwise you're not going to make it on the show. Huge. I mean, this was in the early 2000s. Imagine what would have happened today. But, I mean, Australian Idol, of course, you know, biggest show in Australia in the early 2000s. So Dicko was a household name alongside Marsha Hines and Mark Holden. And it was a coup. Channel 7, when they got him, it, this was like big headlines. Like, Channel 7 have scored Dicko. And from memory... The first thing he went on was Dancing with the Stars. Now, I don't know if it was either before or after he did a Celebrity Survivor that he hosted. It was like a precursor to House Rules. It was a, a Channel 7's attempt at doing the block that they failed. Um, and I might have had a restaurant or something involved in it. So it was a big deal getting Dicko at the time. So this, I reckon they're just putting him to good use. They've gotten a big star, one of the biggest stars in Australia at the time. And he fits this role incredibly well. Dicko, I, I apologise if I've ever bad-mouthed you in the past for being a bad host of, of, of Australian Survivor because he's actually pretty good. He's funny. He's a bit of a dick out there. He lives up to his name. And he just has some great one-liners. And he's actually pretty good at his, uh, his questionnaireing. So, yeah, 
Dicko, brief thoughts on Dicko. Well, he he ends up going on in 2012 to to win Australian Celebrity Apprentice. He does, yes. He, he, which which can we say we're going to mention his name? He was on that season with the one and only Ben Dark. Yeah, Ben Dark was runner. Was he? No, he wasn't runner. That was the very uh, first Celebrity Survivor, a uh, Celebrity Apprentice season I watched, and um, he he went quite far. Ben Dark. But he, he came fourth. Fourth, right? Okay. That was, I think that's the last appearance of Ben Dark. I think that's the last time Ben Dark has been seen in public. I'm just having a look at that cast. Tanya Zayeta, David Hasselhoff. I remember actually watching that season. Yeah. I remember watching it and, and the Hoff was only there for a few episodes. Yeah, he, he, got, he got given yeah. a shit ton of money and basically he had yes. to go back to the States. And it was it was yes. all very well orchestrated. No, so Celebrity Apprentice actually, like, I really got into that. And it's funny, actually, just a, a brief side note. I, I have interviewed Dicko in the past and... I actually uh, did some publicity for the the season that Dicko won and then Stephanie Rice, I think, won the season afterwards. And um, I, I remember Channel 9 contacted you. They would say, like, oh, who would you like to interview? So you gave them, like, they said, like, give me three names. So I gave them three names. Dicko happened to be one of the three that I chose in 2012, did you say that was? And then Stephanie Rice was one of the ones. Just so happened that the two seasons that I covered, I got to interview who eventually turned out to be the winner. That was just by complete chance. So I did interview Dicko, uh, lovely guy. So we're hoping to get him on the show. But uh, anyway, sorry, I'm stealing this point, Matt. Dicko, you're meant to be talking about him. Just one more, t- uh, one more thing on the Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, Jason Ackermanis was on that season. Yeah. Yep. Should should he have not been on the Champions team in in the real the Channel Ten Survivor now? Like he would have uh, look- been a great. He's somebody who I've always said would be fantastic, and I'm surprised that he's never been on. Uh, he, yeah. to me, is like the Brian, Phil in Brian Lake. Like, Acker would be perfect on uh, Champions. And I, I can't imagine he hasn't been asked. Yeah. Uh, he might have just said no. I don't know. But uh, yeah. Like, this is no disrespect to Simon Black, because Simon Black, top bloke. But if you had a choice between Simon Black and Jason Ackermanis, you, you oh, would Acker. go. Personality. Acker, wise. Yes. Yes. So. But anyway, back on to Celebrity Survivor. What um, Dicko, talk to me about Dicko, Matt. Oh, Come you, on. You know what? Dicko would have been paid the most to be on the season, surely. Oh, of course. Yeah. He'd be, he's you know. on a huge retainer by Channel 7. They, they could oh. scoot him over. But, I mean, just, I mean, look, we're going to talk a lot about him. We're going to hopefully get him on. But, like, give me some initial thoughts on him. Like, you know, talk to me about what you thought about him. Well, I think that opening scene where he's on top, when it, where he's on top of uh, Mount Yasso and, he, the, I mean, the... He's different, isn't he? Like we see, you look at Lincoln in the host of season one, you look at JLP now, these guys are fit, muscly, Aussie blokes. Um, Dicko isn't isn't that, is he? He's a, to- you know, he, he's not wearing the tight fitting clothes. You know, he, he's got his, his pommy accent. Uh, he's, he's older. But I have to admit, I don't know if it's a sickness of mine or what, but I actually like it. Like, yeah. I'm actually glad that they didn't get some muscly bloke to host, um, you know, Celebrity Survivor Season 2. I actually think it was they made the right choice. That Dicko, Dicko was huge at the time. So Dicko, he was, the fact that he was a host would, would be enough to draw some people in to watch it. So, um, you know, I actually think he, he, he does a great job, to be honest. Yeah, he's, I mean, I, like going back to my point about how I bagged him out in the past, I think he does take a bit of warming too because like as you said just then, he's a bit different. But it's actually really good. Like it's actually, he's got a good style about him. And, it, and the thing that I think with Dicko 
more so than than Lincoln and on JLP. He fits into the role straight away. He doesn't feel like he's learning. He doesn't feel like he's adapting to the situation and going along with it at the same time. Like Lincoln definitely feels that, particularly in those early parts of season one. JLP feels like that very early on in season three. Dicko, you think this is season seven of Celebrity Survivor, that he's just been doing this forever. And that's just how good Dicko is as a host. And I think kind of that surprised a lot of people when he went from Idol across to Channel 7 because we'd only seen him as a judge. And this was pre-days of, of every show has to have an A-list name of a celebrity judge. I mean, God, now The Voice has to have Delta Goodrum and, you know, Benji Madden. And, you know, they have to have these big names to draw in the viewers. Whereas back then, like, Dicko was a, what did I say, a music executive or something like that. Like, he wasn't even, out of all those three judges when Australian Idol was announced, he was the one that nobody had heard of. You know, we knew who Mark Holden was. We knew who Marsha Hines was. We didn't know who Dicko was. He went on to be arguably the most famous out of all of them. And here he is, natural, just charisma, personality. He's funny. I'm, I'm with you. Like, don't just have to get the blokey, chiseled guy, which, again, we, that's what we knew from Survivor. That's what they went with Lincoln. He tried to be a bit of a Jeff Probst look like. JLP is very Jeff Probst like. You know, good-looking rooster, chiseled guy. Like, you know, just he's there to hold the fort. But... Channel 7 went for something a bit different here. They got maybe their biggest star on the network at the time. They whacked him out there in Vanuatu, and here he is, and it works. It's fun. It's, you know, he, he adds a unique style to it. The, you know, the whole play hard, play safe, and play to win is cheesy as fuck, but I actually quite like it. And, like, just his commentary and just the way he, like, rips shit into David Oldfield the whole time and just, like, he... A lot of what he says wouldn't hold up today. Like, he kind of is a bit of a dick to the women <laughs> a lot of this season. Like, he's a bit sexist on some occasions. But, like, it's just... I don't know. Dicko's got his own way about him. Dicko is Dicko. So you need to you need to tell me something here, Ben. So all last season, we were saying play hard, play fair, and play to win. Now you're saying it's play hard, play safe, and play to win? Yeah, we were wrong. We got How Lincoln did we to get say that the wrong? wrong. I don't know. We apparently thought it was, yeah, play hard, play fair, and play to win. But having just rewatched this in the last week, Matthew Dyson, it is definitely play hard, play safe, and play to win. Can you go back all of season one and just edit that out sure. and just, just, Absolutely. Yep, just go back? Excellent. Yeah, I'm sure I can find all of that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Dicko is going to be a lot of fun to talk about this season. Just quickly as well, though, the, the one thing that I think a lot of people were, were happy about this season the location, of course, we, we talked about how a lot of people's disappointment in season one, of course, was the fact that they filmed it in Australia. This is the very first season of Australian Survivor to ever film overseas. Uh, we were in Vanuatu. This is exactly the same location that was filmed for season nine, the US version. Afate, is that correct, Matthew Dyson? Yeah. Thank you. Um, not sure if it's the same beach, same area, but a beautiful location. This is stunning. Um, really amazing. And what's got this season ranked so highly when I said I'd maybe rank this up there above all the Channel 10 seasons is is that cultural aspect. You're a big fan of this too, Matt, that when they kind of incorporate the the culture of a location, the opening when we get into the opening of season one, uh, season two in a couple of weeks, the way they incorporate the locals. We've got reward challenges here on volcanoes, you know, feasts with the locals, watching that bu great bungee jump tradition that they have in Vanuatu, you know, all things that we did see in the US version. But like, this is just, it's, it's great. It incorporates that and it, it makes you feel one with that location. We don't get that in modern Survivor anymore. I mean, Channel 10 is either Samoa or Fiji. You know, US one, it's always Fiji now. We, we've lost that aspect. And this stands out with this season so well. Uh, Vanuatu is, is a beautiful location and such a perfect choice for this season. 
I hope that we end up finding out what the budget was because they've lifted their game up from here. You, everything you said, I can't agree with more, mate. Like the location, unbelievable. That that opening scene, fantastic on the volcano. The reward challenge, mate. When when um, Imogen wins that reward where she goes to the vine jumping, like that's something that as a traveler myself, like I would love to see that. Like that's something that is a once in a lifetime uh, experience to be able to see the locals do what, what Vanuatu and uh, they're known for that. They're known for this, this vine jumping. It's like bungee jumping, but from a vine and it's, it's incredible. And they actually have a reward challenge and get to watch that. And that is what survivor is about. Like that's what I fell in love with this game. You know, people win rewards. They get to go into the community and see things that they would never normally get to experience. And that's, that's part of the show. That's what they build up to in, in the end, that these people are out on an island. They get to experience all these incredible things while playing against each other to vote each other out and ultimately become the winner. That's what Survivor is. And, and well, it was, should I say, it's not quite that now, but this season has all that and they nailed it. Like I said, they Ben, they were so close to getting this season spot on. And it's because of those things I just mentioned that, that, I just wish, I wish that Channel 10 would take a look at and say, you know what, we need to mix things up though. We need to we need to go somewhere different and start going back to doing some of these things because otherwise we're just watching the same thing over and over and over and it gets boring. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And that is one thing I do know that um, fans of this, of Australian Survivor, who again, maybe ignore this, but, but I mean, the, the positives that they do talk about this season is a location. You know, they, they, they talk about it being feeling a lot closer to the US version and everything along those lines. Going back to our favorite word, context as well. We talked a lot about in season one, the, the period that that was airing around the US version. Of course, that aired uh, sort of when Africa uh, had just finished off. We know famously that we never saw my cases because of that season. Given this was on a different network, obviously no conflict involved with the US airings as well. But uh, this, just for those who, who are playing at home and want to know kind of the context of US Survivor, so this was filmed just as Panama was finishing up. Uh, so this was sort of filmed around May, June 2006. Panama finished airing in May of 2006. And this aired at the same time that Cook Islands was airing sort of towards the end of 2006. So that's that's the context of where we were in terms of that history of Survivor, sort of the feel of it, the vibe of it kind of, I guess it's, it's sort of hard. I always consider that sort of the middle school of US Survivor, even though now we're sort of well beyond that being still technically early days, given that we're at 40 seasons of the US one, 41 seasons. So, you know, that's kind of where that is. Just a couple of things I, I want to quickly touch on before we get the cast, because I feel we're going to talk a lot about the cast here, why I'm sort of saving that to for a rainy day almost here when we get into that i just did a quick search in terms of other markets around the world with a celebrity version now just on what i can find uh the philippines have done a celebrity version two seasons of a celebrity version to be precise in 2010 and 2011 now matt i i don't know any famous filipinos so i i couldn't tell you who uh should be on those seasons uh turkey uh did a celebrities versus volunteers version of survivor so i don't know what that means but it sounds very interesting and italy did a celebrity version of survivor now i am i'm not mistaken i believe that italian survivor goes for about 80 days i believe it is one of the longest in the world so uh if they got celebrities out there for that long that is a good effort 
So, uh, yeah, so Australia in a very unique place of maybe only, uh, based on what I can see there, three or four countries in the world who have done a full-on celebrity version. Of course, you had champions versus contenders to the mix. We're, we've done a few. I'll tell you what uh, would be a good effort if, if there's an, an Italian podcast out there, the same as like an ASA, but it, and they're actually recapping, you know, all 80 days of the Italian surviving. That would be a good effort. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, the thing that's very interesting about all global survivors is that, you know, at its peak, you know, we had like 20, 30 countries in the world doing this. There's been about 30 or so countries around the world who have done some form of another of survivor, but you know, modern times, I think we've only got about maybe five or six that are currently doing it. So kind of, it's definitely few and far between now that these countries still do it. I know sort of the original market, you know, Sweden Expedition Robinson's still going, I believe like the Netherlands still does a version. Obviously we know South Africa does one. Um, I think America does one. I'm not too sure. Um, so, you know, <laughs> there's kind of that going around there. Another thing too, um, the music that I just want to briefly touch on because we know, a big detractor for everyone in season one was the, the distaste for the music. Obviously, we still don't have Russ Landau, David Vanderkor's theme or, or, or score for this one. But this was a lot closer. It feels, and there's no disrespect to Jack Robin. We are the biggest Jack Robin defenders in the world now of his score and his theme. We love it. But at, when this aired, this was a lot closer. People were a lot more accepting of this, I believe. Jay Stewart is the name of the composer of this, and we're hoping to get Jay on the show, of course, to chat a little bit about his theme. But uh, I, I have to say, it took me a while to warm to Jack Robins, and we obviously are very big defenders of it now. We love Jack Robins' score, his theme. But I remember the first time I saw this and heard this, I was in love straight away. I, I, I love this theme. I, I may even like this theme more than the Whaler's Way one. I don't know. that that That's pulling my leg if I had to choose between the two. But this has got something about it. And it's not just the theme, Matt. The score, the Tribal Council theme is great. The challenge music is great. There's not a bad theme in this season. It really feels very survivory. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to talking to Jay Stewart about this because, yeah, it's fantastic. And I know you're a big fan of it too. Oh, absolutely. When that theme hits every time, it gives me goosebumps. Like it's it's a great theme and it's a real survivor theme. But in saying that, there's no way you could use this theme on the original season one theme because it, it, it definitely has that island, you know, that Pacific island sort of feel to it, the theme. Like you wouldn't get away with use, using this theme for, for a season shot at Whaler's Way. It just wouldn't make sense. Um but, you know, has that sort of bit of chanting. Uh, it's, it's got that real Vanuatu theme. So absolute credit um, to the composer. He nailed it, Ben. Like, and, it, and like I said, that first episode, it would have got people to... Uh, uh, we've talked about season one and that first episode, by the end of it, people were like, uh, and they would have like switched off. This season, like with that opening, the theme music, like they nail it. They nail it. So if you would have been watching it from the opening episode, I dare say you would have continued watching it after that. 
100% agree. And, uh, you know, we, you obviously heard that at the beginning of this uh, very episode and it's going to be one that's going to get stuck in your head across the way. Uh, one thing I actually just thought would be fun quickly just on the host again is uh, I mentioned how kind of he was maybe Channel... Dicko was kind of Channel 7's biggest star there. I just had a quick thought, Matt. Who else would be a Channel 7 big star in 2006? Now, I've just gone through the archives here quickly, Matt. I've gone into my, you know, AustralianHostsArchive.com that I've got on my computer, basically. You know, how would we feel about the likes of a Daryl Summers, host of Survivor, Koshi, uh, Mel, uh, Andrew O'Keefe. Uh, you know, these are the big names that were getting Logie nods back in 2006. Uh, we could have had Beck Hewitt from Home and Away, Chris Hemsworth on Home and Away, Ada Nicodemu, Ray Ma, uh, John Wood. I mean, you know, these are the household Channel 7 names in 2006, Matt. I mean, I don't know. You you seem to be excited about Daryl Summers' as host of Australian Survivor there. Well, yeah, look, I think they I think they picked the right one. I think Dicko was, in the end, the right call. I really do. Um, Daryl Summers, I think he was just too well-known for Hey, Hey, Saturday. So... Um, yeah, I'm sure he probably would have done a good job, but Andrew O'Keefe wouldn't have been that bad. I actually am a bit yeah. of an Andrew O'Keefe fan, and I don't think he would have been the worst. He's got a bit of a look about him. I think he's maybe a bit too energetic. He's got a really weird fake laugh. But if if Dicko was unavailable, Andrew O'Keefe out of those names probably a good choice. And he was pretty big back then. Huge, yeah. He was huge, yeah. I think he he could be a bit too over the top, which could could rub people the wrong way, but. Um, you're right. He could have pulled it off. I got no doubt. Andrew Keith could have could have done it and done it quite easily and would have would have put in a solid performance. But uh, um, before we actually get into the cast, too, is there anyone that you wish like? Do you wish Daryl Summers was actually in the cast? Like, is there anyone? <laughs> is there anyone you wish they maybe got on the actual cast and got to play Celebrity Survivor? Um... Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, look, it would have been hilarious if Chris Hemsworth had a play. I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, people probably think, like, well, it'd be stupid, Ben. Chris Hemsworth would never do this. 2006, Chris Hemsworth was simply a soap star in Australia. He was on Home and Away. I could not stand the guy on Home and Away. He was he was as wooden as his desk I'm staring at right now. He basically, any excuse to take his shirt off, he had no personality, and he annoyed the crap out of me. His character was just a pain in the butt. And I remember when he went on to become like a global megastar. I'm like, really? Chris Hemsworth? And I mean, he's actually great now. I really like Chris Hemsworth. He's, he seems like a really genuinely good guy, but I'm surprised that they didn't milk the home and away banks a little bit more because Channel 7 loved to do that. with <laughs> the show. We've got two home and away people on this uh, season. Uh, three, I think Imogen Bailey might've had an appearance on home and away at some point. So, you know, I guess they kind of have nearly a quarter of the cast have at least appeared on home and away. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm literally staring at the Logie Awards of 2006 here, Matt, as potential, you know, who was the big names in Australian television in 2006. And, um, you know, like the, the one, the one that I will say, He's your man that you love. I'm, I'm still very disappointed in you, Matt Dyson, that you're not a fan of this gentleman, Rove McManus. He's actually a mad, mad, mad Survivor fan. Having said that, he is basically peak Rove in 2006. You know, he's got one of the biggest shows in the country. He wouldn't have had the time to go out and play. But I'm sure that if he had have had the opportunity, he would have done it for free because Rove is, is one of the biggest Survivor fans out there you will find. So Rove would have been interesting to watch on Survivor. Well, Ben, if they do another celebrity season, he probably will go on it because this yeah. show lasted all of two episodes. Uh, you love bringing that up, don't you? Yeah, I do. Actually, the one thing I was going to say about the host, how, how much do you think Ben Dark was on the phone to Channel 7 at that point? Like, 
G'day, wow. g'day, Channel 7. It's Ben Dark here. Yeah, no, get away. No, fuck, get away. Like, I can be the host. I'll do it. Do you need to do an audition special? I'll do that again. Actually, that w- I'm glad you brought that up. That would have been funny, wouldn't it? Because we know Ben Dark did want to host season one. Yeah, that would have been interesting in the end if he ended up hosting the celebrity season or even getting on the celebrity season. Um, because obviously, like we said, in 2012, he goes on to be a part of Celebrity Apprentice. So, you know, he was down for going on those type of shows but um i think he's yeah, a loyal you know. man ben dark he likes his channel nine yeah so true i just yeah the casting is a good point that i mean this is just why it's such a channel seven like oh channel seven um you know like it, it's filled to the brim with channel seven goodness let's be honest and I, it makes sense it does make sense oh having said that you know i think channel 10 haven't exactly gone out and gotten all channel 10 celebrities a lot of the time but um yeah, I think it's just it's an it's a unique cast, and when you bring up who would have I liked on there, I mean that's that is a good question because pff, this is going to be a cliche cop out, but I kind of don't want anyone to change. Like mm. in hindsight, that's a, that's a weird thing to say because yeah, if you had said to me in two thousand and six, let's put Warwick Capper on there, yeah, let's put Warwick Capper on there. You know, like I mean Anthony Kudafidi is my favorite AFL footballer of all time. He won Dancing with the Stars that year. Had he gone on Australian Survivor and said, I would have been down. I would have been thrilled. You know, I love my Kuda. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Can you answer that? Is there anyone that you would have liked to have seen on there that, uh, you know, and we're going we're gonna to put our minds in 2006 here. It's all well and good right now to say, you know, I, I would love to see this person, that person on there because they're famous today. But, like, this is 2006. We've got to think back then. Yeah, and, and that's the hard part is 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 putting yourself back to then and thinking, well, who was big at the time? Who could have done it? Because, obviously, you know, if they're in there, if, if they're on a, on a TV show and they're at their peak of their, you know, Australian TV soap, they're, they're probably not going to do it because they're concentrating on that and they're, they're wanting to, you know, try to get over to America and all that stuff. So yeah. it's hard to th- put your mind back and think in that era. And one thing I will say, though, that actually I, I joke about Channel 7 milking the banks of home in a way. I will give props to Channel 7 here. Mark it down, mark it on your calendar. Ben Waterworth giving Channel 7 props is that they didn't do what most celebrity reality shows do in today's era and just milk former reality shows. Like, as in, like, mm. Celebrity Apprentice milked the Big Brother catalogue. You know, all these, re- like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. It's like Gordy Shaw and, like, celebrities who are celebrities because of reality TV. There is not one person on this cast who was a former reality... Okay, Imogen Bailey was on Celebrity Big Brother, but she's not known for being a reality television contestant. Like, you would have uh, Luke, for example, Luke Toki, if he's on Celebrity Apprentice today, it's because he was on Survivor, right? He's famous because you. Like, I'm not joking here, Matt, but, like, if you were... (laughs) If you were rung up right now and said, Matt Dyson, we want you on Celebrity Apprentice, it's because either you're the great co-host of a very esteemed podcast, or more likely you were on Australian Survivor. So... I guess two two sides to that, of course. 2006, we didn't really have a huge banks of it that we maybe did, but also they didn't run out. And I think it's, it's weird. I'm going to contradict myself here by saying they didn't have huge banks of celebrities there. But, like, I, I know Reggie, for example, was on, like, that skating, ice skating celebrity show around this period. So they were still doing it back then. Sarah Marie obviously was on Celebrity Brother, but I think she was on another celebrity show around then from memory. So... 
Props to so, Channel 7. No former reality stars. Sorry, Brent. I've got to interrupt you. I've just got my agent on the phone. I think he's got a new show for me that he wants me to be. Is it Channel just 7? Me, just, just give me a sec. No, sorry. Sorry, I can't do that one. No, the money's not good enough. Sorry. Sorry, Ben. I'm back. Um, so the cast, like, it's, it is... A unique aspect, this is, you know, going to be maybe the only season where we're not going to have audition tapes and we're not going to have anything that we can talk about or that. Like, this is legitimately full-on celebrity list. And it's actually interesting to read the connections that so many of these celebrities have to each other, Matt, because, you know, you mentioned about Imogen Bailey, kind of big brother, Sarah Marie, and we'll get to that episode. That's just the weirdest thing in the world. But... You know, we hear about Justin Melvey's 101 connections. He says in the beginning of this season, I did Dancing with the Stars with Kim Johnson. They were third on the very first season of Dancing with the Stars. David Oldfield would later go on to be on one of those um, uh, Go Back to Where You Came From shows on SBS with Ian Dick and Dicko Dixon. David Oldfield would go on to be on like Hell's Kitchen and I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, I think with, uh, I don't know if he had any of these other former contestants on there, but, you know, lots of connections to other players. Um, you know, it's, it, and the big one, which I loved, we shared this on our social media last year, Elton Flatley was a teammate with Matt Rogers, who of course went on to be a two-time Australian Survivor player. You got to look at it that way. You know, I'm sure Justin Melvey and Nicole Dixon have met at a home and away alumni dinner or something along those lines. You know, Guy Leach and Wayne Gardner clearly had some sort of knowledge being big sports stars in the 80s. You know, it's 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 amazing these connections these people have which I wonder if it's, you know, deliberately done, but have gone on to be. It's kind of this weird little community that they've sort of stuck to. But I don't know, again, where I'm going with this, Matt. Um, but the cast is is unique because... Ben, Go, Matt. Stop me. I was just going to say, the anticipation's getting to me, mate. We need to start getting into this cast and start talking about each person. Okay. All right. Well, I was just, I was just going to add there that... Uh, actually, I don't know what I was going to add. Fuck it. Let's move <laughs> on. Um, the, the, one, the one name that we know of that was touted to be on this season that never got off there and it supposedly was replaced by Amber was Anna Kornikova. Now, Amber talked about this in our backdoor pilot with her on the Oz Network. And I want to find out how true that was because Anna Kornikova, if she's on this season, this is a much, much bigger season. Anna Kornikova, rubbish tennis player, but arguably one of the most famous, most beautiful, most beloved female athletes of the 2000s. And having her name attached, you mentioned David Hasselhoff getting onto Celebrity Apprentice. Anna Kornikova would have been the David Hasselhoff of this season. Like that alone would have had people watching, and I would have watched. <laughs> I probably would have watched. I, I still, I still would have wanted Amber on though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Amber's great. I don't want to take away from Amber, but come on, Anna Kornikova. You're not yeah. going to watch Matt. I mean, how old were you in 2006? You would have been watching for Anna Kornikova. <laughs> yeah, I was old enough. Yeah, but um, are you? Would you have liked to see Anna Kornikova on this season? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone everyone knew that uh, she was a a, a mediocre tennis player, um, oh, professional on, tennis she, player. Like one one doubles tournament, didn't she? And then I think she like got ranked in the top ten once by circumstance. Yeah, but no, she she was well known. Everyone knew the name, so it would have been a big draw card, and it would be great to talk to Amber about that again. You know, for our listeners to, to hear that story again and about, you know, what actually happened surrounding that. But 
I'm sure that there was others, Ben. I'm sure that we're going to find out that she's not the only one that either pulled out at the last second or they were like so close to getting and they just, they couldn't seal a deal. Maybe financially they, the, the people wanted more and they just decided not to do it. But I'm sure that, that, that Anna Kornikova wouldn't have been just the only one that, that was going to be on it and then, and then at the last second wasn't. And because let's be honest, a big draw card that they do with a lot of these celebrity shows now is they try and get the one big overseas person. I mean, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, is renowned for this. You know, they'll, they'll go out and get Tom Arnold or, you know, some big name that people know that will draw people in. And that makes sense from a from a ratings perspective. You are going to be drawn in to watch certain players. I mean, people would have watched Celebrity Apprentice because the Hoff was on there. Of course they are. You know, you want to see that. And I really do think, and we're going to go through this cast now, and I'm going to ask you in just a moment how you want to do this, if you want to do it by tribe, alphabetically, you know, kind of from least famous to most famous, I don't know. But I think the one thing that this season is seriously lacking is the big draw card star power. We, we're not joking when we say Ian Dicko Dixon is the biggest star of this. He is. And if I right now had to say who would the biggest draw card be out of all these people, I'm probably... Oh, God, who would I say? I would maybe say Wayne Gardner based on the fact that he was a very big sports person of the 80s, Australia's very first world champion motorcycle rider and, and a very big name for a large portion there of time. But I don't think I would... I might. That's just maybe my background of being a bit of a motor, motor racing fan. I mean, it's still a big name. Most people know who Wayne Gardner is. Um, but... I don't know. If I had to choose one, I would maybe go with Wayne Gardner. I don't yeah. know who would yours be. I'd probably say Imogen Bailey. She, her name was pretty big at the time. True. Um, every, everyone knew who she was. But, uh, yeah, look, I think we go um, each through the tribes. But okay. you've got to remember, too, it's important to remember when the game started, only nine people were initially on the boat. True. And that's and that, something yeah, very unique. Yeah, this is – and I think this is de- definitely more of a discussion point for episode one, but it, it is – there's some like there's a rubbish rubbish twist in this season, the worst, second worst outside of freaking Dead Man Walking. But an Exile Beach, let's be honest, Exile, you're going to Exile Beach. Shut up, stop Exile Beach happening. Just just hashtag stop hash Exile Beach. It's come, not a thing. Channel Ten. Come on, Shawnee and Zach spent a night there and then came straight back into the game. How, you don't <laughs> like that twist? They they just got handed the buffer and they're back in the game. I can't not laugh at that. It's just so ridiculous. And that was in All Stars. <laughs> they get voted out to come straight back in. Like, oh, they they spent one night on there, Ben. Oh. One night. <clears throat> Focus, Ben. We're on season two. Um, yeah, we'll talk about kind of some of these. There's some unique quirks about this season. You're right. Like nine people start, uh, and then they're divided by gender, but they're not, and things like that. So I'm looking forward to recapping yeah. episode one yeah let's let's go with kakula and moso let, let's go through them and, and we'll talk about the ones who were sort of introduced i've i've sorted this um did we do this on the first one did we go through each player well it's a bit i don't think we did but it's a bit different too because obviously celebrity okay yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of I'll, I'll read all the names out and let's just kind of we'll, we'll go over where we can so kakula orange tribe uh, is that named after a beach or something? Did we did we so, find that out? I, I should say, so the, the three tribes in this season, Moso, Kukula, and Tana, so they're all based on islands in Fiji. Right, so, so Tana... In Vanuatu. That's the man. merged tribe. That's where the, that's on the island where the, the, the Mount Yasser is, yep. so the, the main volca- active volcano. Okay. Um, but, yeah, and Kukula and Moso, they're just other um, islands. Um, 
in Vanuatu. So unlike season one where they got the nautical theme, this is the, the obviously in Vanuatu, you're, you're in the Pacific Islands, so they've gone the island theme with, with the tribe names. And each of these players, of course, are playing for a char- charity uh, and we'll maybe go over the charities now, Matt. Uh, would you like to take the honour for Kakula or Moso? Who would you prefer to read out I'll, here? I'll do Moso. Okay, do you want me to go first? Would you like to go first? I'm being... Matt, oh, he's being very... You, you've you changed, Ben, from season one. All of a sudden, you're being Mr. Polite and... I like, am. Oh, I, wow. sp- I am the young warrior, Matthew Dyson. Yeah. I am a changed man. Shout out to Shona Brown. Legend. Shona, sure you're listening. You go okay. first, my friend. Okay, so Moso. Uh, so I'll, I've got their ages listed down too. So we, we have Kim Johnson. You mentioned that, um, that she was... Um, Dancing with the Stars. Now, are we going to mention? We won't mention where they got booted out. We'll just we'll just go through the tribe. Just I reckon we go through the tribe. What they're known for, like why they're a celebrity, and and maybe if you just want to mention their their charity, I think uh, we can kind of go along there. If you've got that, do you have that in front of you? I've got that in front of me. I can I can name it for you if you like. Shit, Ben, put me on the spot here. Well, you you name the charities, all right? Okay. All right, so we got Kim Johnson. So Dancing with the Stars. I look, I never watched Dancing with the Stars. So me neither. If I would have been watching, I, I know who Kim Johnson was when I watched this season a year ago because she's on a lot of things now. But at the time, I would have been like, who the hell is Kim Johnson? So um, Dancing with the Stars. We've got Fiona Horn. Now, can I just say I knew exactly who Fiona Horn was? I've got a confession to make, a massive confession to make. So every teenage boy has a crush. Mine was Fiona Horn. So... Um, she was a lead singer of a band um, back in the day. I didn't know her for that. That was a Def XX, I think it was. Def XX, bit of a tongue twister there. But she was a lead singer of a band. But then later on, she would go on... Um, do you remember Stan Zamanik? The name rings a bell. He was, a, he was like a shock, shock jock, like a Cole Sanderlands mm, is now. Mm-hmm. But he was on yep. a show, Beauty and the Beast. He used yep, to do a lot yep, of talk yep. back radio. I know exactly um, what you're talking about. Yes. He, he, people would ring up and and he would he was very, to the point, very, I guess, wrong. In, like he probably wouldn't get away with a lot of things now, what, what he would say. But he, he, he was loved to be hated kind of thing. And he would he he had a TV show during the day called Beauty and the Beast. And... Uh, um, you know, there was the the standard sort of panel that you'd have Ida Buttrose, I think, and all those type of yeah, you know, those type of people. Ida Buttrose put her on Celebrity Survivor. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> but Fiona Horn used to come on. She was like the young one on at the time on there, and she had this. Um, she used to have. The, oh, I can't wait to talk to her. She, she used to have the the um, earring, but it was just under the like in the chin. Right. She was famous for that too. And she, she was a white witch. She used to go on and she's written books. Um, but yeah, she, she was known as the white witch, Fiona Horn. Um, so that's how I knew her. I knew her of going on these 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 type of panel shows with Stan Zamanik. And she was my crush. I admit, as a teenage boy, um, she was my crush. I can't wait to talk to Fiona Horn. Uh, we have, of course, Amber Petty. At the time, you know, she was, you know, th- there was a lot of... Um, TV media about about obviously her involvement in the royal wedding. Um, she was a bridesmaid, so you know. And then after that, she was in. Uh, she was doing uh, radio. She was. She, I think it was in South Australia. She might have been. She was. She was big in doing a radio host and things like that. So um, we've already spoken to Amber. Great person. I can't wait to talk to Amber again. Um, Justin Melvy. Now I have to admit. I must have stopped watching. Was it Home and Away at that point? Away. Because yep. I don't ever recall 
like seeing Justin Melby before this. So do you want to talk a bit about Justin? Maybe you have a bit more knowledge of him. I'll keep going through that. I think I'll talk about him in, in a sec. I think like one thing I want to kind of go through, I like how you're sort of saying about being familiar with him because like I think it's fun for us to kind of talk about who of these did we actually know who they were beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. So, so yeah. So I have to admit I didn't know Justin Melby. I did watch a lot of Home and Away back in the day, but I at one point I stopped watching. So um Nicole Dixon. Now, if you don't know who Nicole Dixon are, is, you've been living under a rock your whole life. Bobby! Um, Bobby from Home and Away. Everyone everyone in our era anyway knows who Nicole Dixon was. You know, um, she was absolutely famous for that role to the point where it actually hurt her career afterwards that uh, I think she was on Home and Away for about six years and then she got out. She asked to, to be, you know, to, to go out of the show and she struggled to get roles after that simply because everyone always knew her as Bobby in Home and Away. And even even when they introduce this season and they're going through the cast, Dicko, you know, he's got the voiceover. They actually say Bobby from Home and yeah. Away, actress Nicole Dixon. You know, that's how this role, it, it probably was a great, well, her best role ever, but it probably hurt her because she was that famous for that role. So can I just say Nicole Dixon, great player of Survivor, she plays this game really well. So I'm looking forward to, to really talk about Nicole Dixon, not as a former home and away actress, but as a survivor player. I'm looking forward to that. And of course, Imogen Bailey. Queen um, Imogen, Matt. She's the yeah, queen of this yeah. season. Come on, Look, get it right. Everyone knew who Imogen Bailey was. Obviously, she was a sports mag model. She'd been on soap shows. She, Had a I great mean, song. I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, oh, yeah. Uh, is that like a Holly Valance song, Kiss Kiss? Oh, there's a classic, yeah. Matthew Dyson. You're you a man have, of. I've been, I've been waiting. Me excited, Holly Valance. I have been waiting 37 episodes of ASA Woo. to mention Holly Valance and that song. Kiss, the, kiss. The, the world has been waiting 17 years to mention Holly Valance again. She's been sitting around going, "Remember me? I was on Neighbours." And remember, she had that small part in the movie Taken. Yeah, yep, yep. She was, oh, she Holly was like Valance. the nanny or something. Whew. Jeez. Yeah, no, kiss. Good song, actually. Uh, unpopular opinion, Matthew Dyson. Better song by Holly Valance, "State of Mind." Better song than "Kiss Kiss." Look it up. Who sung that? Holly Valance. Oh. A, it was a follow-up album that flunked really badly. Oh. So, oh. yeah, uh, the, yeah. Queen Imogen, anointed right now. Uh, you know, Queen Jane is still Queen Jane, but each season we will have a queen, and Queen Imogen is this season. And to make it fair, I feel like I'm being a bit biased here, gender biased. We shall anoint a king moving forward. And I believe it's King David this season. Oh, of course. um, I was going to say, if it's anyone else, you're kidding yourself. Now, I just want to say, before you mention what charities each of those MOSO members were playing for, so at the the time of playing, Kim Johnson was 29. Um, We have Fiona Horn was 39, Amber Petty, 35, Justin Melby, 37, Nicole Dixon, 37, and Imogen Bailey, 28. So that's actually a really good age for playing Survivor. I've said it to you before, Ben, that... You know, you definitely have to have people in your 20s and, and preferably late 20s. But between 30 and 40, I think, is a really good age. The only thing I will say, I would have liked to have seen at least one player in their later 40s on Moso. Um, but, look, I'll give credit. I like the ages of the casting on this one. Well, good also point out, Imogen Bailey is uh, the youngest player on this season alongside uh, Elton Flatley, 28 years old, is the youngest 
yep. on this season. So uh, it's it's crazy to look at it that way. Um, just quickly, I'll go to the charities. So Kim Johnson's charity is Merry Makers Australia, uh, which if I quickly look this up, uh, is not wanting to tell me what it is. So we'll come back to that. Um, I don't know what actually that is. Fiona Horn uh, for Project Aware. Amber for the Australian Red Cross, Justin Melby for Diabetes Australia, Nicole Dixon for the Starlight Children's Foundation, and Imogen Bailey for Cambodia Foundation. Surprised she didn't do it for Peter. She's uh, obviously a big uh, Peter. Merrymakers uh, raise funds for cancer research. Uh, Project Aware uh, looks to be some sort of ocean sort of conservation program just by the looking of their website quickly there. Um, I'll just say Kim Johnson... Arguably, he's gone on to be the biggest name out of this show. She's probably more famous now than she ever was at the time. She, I think she was, uh, I remember, I'm with you. I never watched Dancing with the Stars, but I remember that season that Tom Williams won, that like it was renowned for that shirtless dance, you know, it was all sexy and all that sort of stuff. And I think she was his partner. So I think kind of, she got a bit of a name out of that. I don't know if she maybe made an appearance in a soap opera once. I don't I don't know. But she's now married to a, a very prominent Shark Tank businessman. Uh, and I'm going to butcher his name. I'm sorry, because uh, I know this is sort of her last name now. Is it uh, Herjavec? Uh, Robert Herjavec is who she's married to now. So, um, yeah, and she's gone on to do... Uh, she did that real dirty dancing show and a couple of things. I think she's even done US Dancing with the Stars from memory as well. So, yeah, pr- arguably the most famous person nowadays is is Kim Johnson. But but I think it's it's fair to say that it's not as a result of her appearance no. on Celebrity Survivor. <laughs> I, I think not. we need to make that clear. It wasn't... She didn't go on to bigger and better things as a result of her stay uh, in Vanuatu. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, which, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> The Real Dirty Dancing. Here's a shot put at number one for Channel 7. This is a network that comes up with crap like that. They had Bringing Sexy Back, The Secret Life of Babies. You know, this is a network that puts so much points out there and punts and crap and happy-go-lucky, namby-pamby crap that makes me want to vomit, and yet here they are with a decent season of Survivor. Channel 7 oversaturately promote their crap with happy music that just makes you want to kick a baby in the face with a rainbow. But, Ben, they put Dicko on top of an active volcano in Vanuatu, so all is forgiven. It is. All is forgiven. If you're putting Dicko on top of an active volcano... I'm in. Anybody who is, remembers the Survivor Oz days when we covered The Amazing Race uh, before it went to Channel 10, uh, they literally open up The Amazing Race Season 3 with that, it's going to be the best day of my life song. It's like, what is this crap? Where is The Amazing Race theme? This is not The Amazing Race. Stop making me smile. Like, I don't <laughs> want to smile, Channel 7. I want to watch The Amazing Race. <laughs> Um, One of the funnest episodes I ever did was doing a live commentary of an episode of Bringing Sexy Back, and Noah and I did that. Hilarious. We ripped shit into whoever that woman was that week who was trying to lose weight, right? We get an email two days later from that actual lady thinking, "Uh uh-oh. Like, we implied her husband was off sleeping with some other woman or she was sleeping with somebody the whole episode. We get an email from this woman saying, absolutely loved it. I lost my shit. Thanks for the good laugh. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) you are a good sport. That's what we're here for. Um, Fiona Horn, I have no clue who she was. No wow. clue. Never heard of her. 
Uh, I own, and uh, to this day, I only know her from Survivor. I'm sorry, wow. Fiona, if you listen to this. Uh, you're a little bit older than I am, Matt, so maybe that kind of uh, comes from that, but yet no clue. I, I want to go back and listen to her band, though. I feel like uh, I need to uh, listen to that. Amber, uh, be honest, didn't know who she was either. Uh, I, I think even as a Tasmanian, Mary Donaldson, you know, it was a big deal, but I, I maybe was a bit too young or didn't really care about Did- paying attention. Did they have TV down in Tasmania back no, in 2009? We got it. 2009, yeah. I thought so. Yeah, no, a bit slow to the party we were. Um, Justin Melby, I, I was very familiar with him. I, a uh, big home and away fan. I, I, I mean, not, not anymore, but I used to watch that religiously, basically from the age of like ten upwards. So, I, he was one of the ones that I was very familiar with. I think I can't remember who his character was in Home and Away, but I actually remember liking his character. Uh, Nicole Dixon. I'll be honest, that was in the period of Home and Away a bit before my time, but I still knew who she was because didn't she get killed in a boat accident or something yeah, in Home and Away? Something like, like yeah, explosion, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So obviously very familiar. And Imogen Bailey, absolutely. Um, the song that she had, maybe, look, I'll tell you what, we, we don't really have a closing song at the moment. Uh, we hopefully will in the, the coming weeks, but... Given that this is episode one and given that we're not really going to have any sound bites to play at the end, we will close this episode out with Imogen Bailey, If You Want Me, uh, oh, which, Ben, yeah, good song. Yes. <laughs> this is why I do this podcast with you, Ben. You are an ideas man. An absolute. Who would have thought that we're starting off season two with Imogen Bailey singing our outro music? And I tell you what, I was tempted to play Kiss Kiss by Holly Valance, but uh, sadly, she would have been good on this cast. There we go. Holly Valance. Holly Valance. Bring her back. Yes. Um, but no, if you want me by Image and Bailey, I remember buying the CD single. It's a picture of her. She's in a bikini on the front looking very like, oh, I'm Image and Bailey. And damn, she's Image and Bailey. It made me buy the CD. So thank you, Image and Bailey. It's a great song. Um, so, and sorry, yeah. who, who was she playing for? Uh, she, oh, so she was playing for the Cambodia Foundation, not Peter. Again, I'm surprised she wasn't paying for the people for ethical treatment of animals. So, and did we? Uh, what about Nicole? Did we mention uh, the Starlight Children's Foundation? Oh. Matt, that is who she was playing for, uh, and they wear blue, of course. Moso wear blue, so uh, yes, Moso. I just, I just reminds you of Moso, Moso, Moso that we get a few times in this season. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, just, just quickly too, before you get on to Kukula, and and when you do talk about Kukula, can you leave the person who gets voted out first? Can you leave them till last? Because we need to talk about them. Uh, yeah, certain... do we have to talk about them? Who are they again? I don't know who they yeah, are. No, we'll uh... leave them till last because we want to talk about them. But um, do you find that it's, it's weird that the the they only get five thousand for their charity if they don't win? Like that doesn't yeah. seem like very much. Like. People go to the casino and lose that in one night. Like it should be a sliding scale. And considering that these people are getting paid more than their charity, the thing that I actually find really interesting, and we'll talk a lot about this in these episodes, is you only know that they're playing for charity with a brief little subtitle at the mm. end when they're giving their final words. Like I feel like they need. And one thing I'll say in the finale of this episode, it's a very rushed finale, and it's also uh, no mention about like where the money's going for for like charity. Like the, the guy Leach says it in his final words. But like when he's doing his final confessional, when the credits are rolling. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I think generally they talk like Celebrity Apprentice, for example. Every week it's talking about their charity and why they're playing for it. I feel like we needed to have more of why yeah. is Nicole playing for the Starlight Children's Foundation? Well, like that. yeah, you're right, and they they do meet like Dicko mentions at the start that they're playing for charity, but then you're right, you don't. It's not until the, the end of each credits at the end that you see what charity they were playing for, but. 
Yeah, you'd sort of, especially towards the end, um, you know, when when there's only a few people left, you'd think that they would sort of say, would get a little confessional of them saying, oh, I'm, you know, I want to win because I'm playing for this charity and it means this for me, you know, it means a lot to me and why. And, and a bit of a, to try to, you know, get some sort of heartfelt confessionals about why they want to win this money for charity. You don't get that. Which is, yeah, you're right. Like, particularly at the end. And like, cause I mean, we get a lot of, I'm playing this cause I want to win. I'm, and I get it. It's competitive, but like, for example, you know, Luke gets $500,000 from the public because of his, you know, prominent reasons for playing the game. Moana, like, you know, these players are very active. Rob, we just had that in season one, obviously playing for his wife and all that sort of stuff too. So like, it's not like this isn't a thing that you get in Survivor anyway, and it's it's barely mentioned at all, so quite interesting. Let's go to Kakula, the Orange Tribe. Uh, just quickly, uh, Matt, colours of this season, are we are we a fan of the blue, the orange, and the sort of the pink colour that we have for, yeah, for Tanner? I, I like the orange. I'm, I'm a fan of the yeah. orange. I think, yeah, you don't see it too often, but um, I would have been more than happy if when I played, if I got an orange buff. Got to say, like, I've, I've, I'm always, it's one of these things that I'm always, particularly in the earlier days of Survivor, I was always intrigued what colour the tribes were going to be. And uh, I always like when you get a bit of a unique one. So, you know, we talked about Aurora. It's unique. It was sort of grey. Uh, you know, we had La Truce. La Truce. What, what was it? La Truce? La Truce. La Truce. I got it right. First time I go. Don't second guess yourself, Ben. Uh, blue. Blue again here for Moso. I would like to, and maybe this is something we can do in the coming weeks, do a bit of a little tally of what colour we've had the most of a tribe in Australian Survivor. Personally, uh, as much as I often highly regard this season and season one higher than the Channel 10 ones, got to say, season three may be my favourite three starting. I like a good, decent, deep blue, deep red and deep yellow that we Mm. have in the next season. So we'll get to that. So we're wearing orange for Kakula. We have Wayne Gardner, the man who I touted as maybe the most famous going into this. Uh, 1987 off the top of my head. World 500cc. Yes, I am correct. Champion. uh, The first ever in Australia to do so. We've had two since. Matthew Dyson, for a bonus point, can you name the two other Australian motorcycle 500cc world champions? Or MotoGP as it is now known. Uh, Mick Doohan? Correct. There's one. Ding, ding. And I don't watch it, but I know Mick Doohan was huge on his uh, Repsol. He won five, he won five world championships. Yep. The Mick Doohan, Wade Gardner, and give me a hint of the first name of the third one. Uh, it begins with a C. His last name is something that you might call someone who has a lot of drugs, perhaps. <laughs> hit it with me. Tell Casey me. Casey Stoner. Ah, oh, uh, of course. Two-time of course. world champion. So Wayne Gardner won one, but uh, there you go. I'm more of a Formula One fan than a motorbike fan, but uh, every now and then I'll pay attention to the two wheels. So we have Wayne Gardner, former motorcycle racer, world champion. He's playing for the Royal Alexandra Hospital for Children. Uh, I, I'm going to try and knuckle this impersonation down because I feel like this is a guy we can impersonate all season. Oh, uh, yeah, g'day. I'm Elton Flatley. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, like I like playing rugby and stuff because, like, I'm Elton Flatley. Like, he's got a real tone to his voice Elton Flatley like and I love it I love him I love Elton Flatley because like gotta say Elton Flatley like not the most exciting player to ever play Australian Survivor but like that's part of his charm it's kind of like it's like Sylvan like um Sylvan you know he's Sylvan right Elton Flatley's the Sylvan of this season in that he's just uniquely Elton and he's just like oh yeah like oh, I didn't want to do this and like I want my steak like the episode where he wants his steak like is one of the best episodes of this season. So I'm calling it now. We've got King David, we've got Queen Imogen, and each season we'll have the Sylvan of the season, and this season it is Elton Flatley. There you go. I'm calling it right now. He is a former Wallaby. 
do we, do we know? Did he ever write a book, Elton? Do we know? Oh, God, I hope he did. <laughs> <laughs> or like, so this is uh, the Book of Symbols. Maybe maybe we can get one of Sylvan's other books and I can read it in Elton Flatley's voice. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, Gabrielle Richens, uh, the pleasure machine, uh, a model and TV presenter playing for the Wayside Chapel Foundation. I still to this day don't know who she is. <laughs> Ben. Okay, so so I knew her because she was dating Solomon Homono, which was a, a, a rugby league player. And right. every Thursday night, I'd watch the, the 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 footy show, not the AFL footy show, but the the, the proper footy show with Paul Vorton and and Peter Sterling hosts, and the, that would be the rugby league, so that the NRL footy show. And um, she she would be on there a lot. So they kind of started doing a lot of segments, getting her on the show. Um, obviously, because you know she was dating a footballer and all that, so uh, that's how I knew her. I didn't know her, so she's English, right? She's she she's, is. She's yeah, one she's... of only two Australian Survivor contestants to, um, I guess, represent another country outside mm. of Australia. Who's the other one, Matt Dyson, for a bonus point on the Australian Survivor archives today? Russell Hans. Oh shit! Well, three. Okay, uh, <laughs> I forgot about Russell. Sorry, Russell. No, no. There's a there's another one. Okay, that that's that 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 wasn't just born there, but actually is representing the, uh, the another first, country. Yeah, both seasons that he has played, he has been listed as from ah, a well, place it, outside of Australia. Would it have to be the Golden God, wouldn't it? It is the Golden God. J- David Jeanette listed as being from New York. Uh, how could so... you how could you forget about the greatest villain of all time, Russell Hands? Come on, Ben. Well, I mean, he was quite forgettable in Australian Survivor. He only lasted two episodes, but he lasted uh, he lasted longer than me. Well, you know, most people did, Matt. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm just reading here in Gabrielle Richens that, yeah, I um, she was in the lead up to this. Uh, FHM's 100 Sexiest Women in the World list. I used to like that magazine. Uh, she was 41st in 2002, 69th in 2003, and 71st in 2004, and the 14th Sexiest Woman in the World by Maxim. So I think, like, you know, okay, I've not heard of her. You had, other people of course had, but like this was kind of a bit of a coup, I think, to kind of get someone like this who was obviously a, a highly regarded model, very, you know, renowned in certain circles and kind of this, going back to my point about they didn't get that big household name, this is maybe the international star that they got, like this is Gabrielle Richards and I mean, I, we're not really meant to be giving, I guess, our thoughts here on the way they played or anything we'll talk about throughout the season, but I know on this rewatch, I really warmed to Gabrielle Richards, like just as her personality, like there's just something about her which is fun, so... uh Gabriel Richards is going to be interesting to talk about. Uh, the king himself, Mr. David the Puppet Master Oldfield, Mr. Reality Television nowadays, is a bit of a staple hand now at the celebrity genre. But, uh, oh, I'm looking forward to talking about my man, David. There's something about the name David in Australian Survivor that leads us to getting a little bit giddy in the nether regions, isn't there? We had it in the first season. We got it in this season. We're going to have it in future seasons. Uh, have we only had the three Davids? In all of Australian Survivor, and they're all going to staple their name in the history of the show? Let's just go with three. I think there's only be three. Are we missing someone? We'll get back to that. Um, uh, he is a puppet master, isn't he? Like, oh. David Oldfield knows how to play Survivor, and he, 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 make, he really makes this season. Like, that was a great effort. Like, the fact getting him on the show, some people would have been like, oh, why have they got David Oldfield on the show? Obviously, he was a part of One Nation, um, the political party, with Pauline Hanson. So that's how people knew David, uh, David Oldfield. Um, he plays a great game, an absolute great game. And we're going to talk about him a lot 
the original puppet master. And uh, his interactions with Dicko are hilarious. Uh, There have only been the three Davids. Uh, All have stapled their name in Australian Survivor folklore. Although we did have Heath Davies, uh, if we want to classify that. Um, But no, David Oldfield. And just just quickly for those who maybe aren't listening from Australia, who, who aren't familiar with what One Nation is, I mean, look, there's a lot to go in there, but I mean, quite a controversial uh, political party. Pauline Hanson, a very controversial political figure, uh, lots of controversial statements that got her into a lot of hot water. She's still a senator to this day. So uh, I think he's going to be an interesting one to talk about because he's somebody who doesn't really have a great reputation, David Oldfield. You know, if you're connected to One Nation, you're going to straight away get a lot of, oh, I don't want to like them. I don't want to, you know, think about them. It, it would be like if, you know, a Trump appeared on a reality show. Straight away, you hear the name Trump. Like, oh, Trump, no. Like, what? Well, I don't want anything to do with that. You'd mention Russell Hans. People hear the name Russell, like a Hans, Brandon Hans. Straight away, like, oh, a Hans. Like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. So, um, but yeah, he's, he's a puppet master and... Um, Maybe the more deserving winner of this season. I don't know. We can talk about that. Speaking of the winner of this season, spoiler alert, uh, Guy Leach, uh, 42-year-old surf life-saving champion. I will say David Oldfield, sorry, playing for the Legacy Foundation. Uh, now, Guy Leach, I'd, I'd heard of Guy Leach. I used to watch a bit of surf life-saving growing up on a Sunday afternoon. I remember in the school holidays, it was something I watched and... I think we all knew who Guy Leach was. He wasn't someone who we weren't familiar with. He wasn't like a huge name, but most Australians would know who he was going into this, uh, playing for Ride Aid. And then we have Ben. Uh, (laughs) Why do we have... We talk about David having such a great reputation in Australian Survivor. Ben's the complete opposite. We've had two Bens, haven't we? What have Uh, they done? With Benji? (laughs) Uh, look, Overplayed. Ben, ben Win or Benjamin Win. Um, wow, no, he like didn't. Say, he's the only <laughs> non-celebrity on this season. Yep, he doesn't start the game. I can't wait to get to you know to the point where we in our recap where we talk about how he enters the game. We won't talk about too too much of that now um, because there's sort of a, a reason how he comes into the game. And I look. I still to this day reckon there's more to it, Ben, and hopefully we're going to find out throughout this um, podcast for season two about what he was actually doing on the show. I think we're going to there's more to it. I don't think he was just picked and put on a show. Whether someone pulled out at the last second and and they had to put him on, um, you know, I really hope we get to the bottom of it, and I'm really going to be pushing for it because my gut feeling tells me someone must have pulled out at the last second and. They've got Ben in as a non-celebrity. He wasn't even playing for a charity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm actually fascinated. I think out of every contestant, Ben that's ever played Survivor in Australia, Ben Win is is the most fascinating because it's sort of almost to the point of what was he actually doing there? You know, there's that yeah. sort of that's what fascinates me about there's there's more to it. You know, there, there's more to him being on the show, and I want to find out what, why, what, what he was doing on on the, you know, on the show. I'm with you. I've, I've labelled him the worst Australian Survivor player of all time, and I've, I've found the dreaded Oz Network player rankings of the Australian Survivor cast that Cable and I did in 2018. A rubbish list. Please don't go back and listen to that episode. I, I, I completely denounce anything I said in that episode. At the time, there were only 76 Australian Survivor players and Benjamin Wynn was ranked dead last. 
Uh, you hadn't played at that point, Matt. So unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have you on my list. Uh, this was done just after season four. Um, Joan was second last. Lucinda third last. Oh, Lucinda. Poor thing. Uh, David Oldfield, by the way, was ranked the highest of this season on our list at the time. At number four, he was ranked. Um, only three players were ranked ahead of him. Can you name those three players for me, Matt Dyson? Okay, sorry. And and from what year? Would, so what, how many Channel 10 seasons? Four, would have been? There have been two Channel 10 seasons. Uh, so we were up to season four at that point. Okay, so was Katie Gold in front? Katie Gold was number two. Yep, Rob Dixon was number one. Who was number three? So, so number three, I'm going to say from, so it would be someone from Channel 10 for the first two seasons. Correct. Uh, I, you, well, you weren't a Luke Toki fan back then, so I'm not going to say Luke. So, uh, I mean, are you going to say maybe like a Lee Castle Don or something? Jericho. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the newest winner at the time uh, was Jericho. So yeah, no, um, yeah, don't watch this list, mate. It's 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 rubbish. But um, yeah, look, look, Ben, I want my mind changed on Ben. Like, I, uh, it's not Ben's fault he was a bad player. Like, okay, when I say he's a bad player, in my eyes, he's a bad player because he he's in, completely invisible. Gets shown doing absolutely nothing. He's kind of brought in and voted out just for the shits and gigs, uh, and that's it. So I, I, this isn't a case of. Ben standing here being a dick and oh I don't like this player he's the worst player of all time this is based on what I can see on my screen I want to be I want my mind changed I want Ben on this show I want Ben to tell me what he did and what why he was there and I I want to know I'm with you I want to know the Ben Enigma story yeah absolutely like that's I have to admit one of the main reasons for me doing season two of ASA is I want to know what the fuck Ben Wynn was doing on that show because it doesn't make sense. Something went wrong and I want to know we're getting to the bottom of it. Let's let's just take a look at our name comparisons here. David, we've got three icons in the history of Australian Survivor. Ben, we've got Ben Dark missing since 2012. We've got Ben Wynn missing since 2006. We've got Ben Morgan missing since 2018. <laughs> we've got Benji Knowing how to play Survivor missing since 2000, was that 18, 19? Uh, and then we've got uh, Christy Bennett, winner of Survivor. Uh, ben, not until I play, let's be honest, I will keep up the tradition of crap Ben's playing Survivor. But, You're the only Ben that doesn't go missing. You've got a bloody podcast for everything, Ben. You're the only one that won't go missing. Probably some people want you to go missing, but... Uh, oh, they won't put me on there. But I mean, there's a cast. I mean, we're not going to... like. Yeah, we didn't do this in the first season. We're not going to do this in every season moving forward here. But as Matt kind of said, we've only got 12. It's the smallest cast. They're all celebrities. At least 11 of them are. And... You know, it's, it's it's a unique chance for us to talk about them that way. And I think kind of going back to what I said about how, who would you have on this season? Like, hindsight, I wouldn't change anyone. They, they each bring their own unique sense to the table. Even Kim Johnson, even Ben Wynn. Like, they've all got something that they bring. Even my man Elton. Like, it's just uniquely interesting that this all comes in season two. And it's just, it just leads into a, into a good season. It does. And I'm just going to, just for the fans listening at home that uh, are interested. So Ben Wynn was 32 when he played. Wayne Gardner, 46. Guy Leach, 42. So Guy Leach was still in, you know, 42-year-old. He still would have been in, in very good condition. Still is to this day. Can I just yeah, interrupt you there and say he has not aged much and he, he looks great to this day, Guy Leach. They all do, actually. All the ones that I've seen since look pretty good. 
Elton Flatley, 28. As I mentioned, fresh off retirement for the Wallabies and, and Queensland Reds in the rugby union. Uh, Gabriel Richens, 31. And David Oldfield, as I mentioned, was the oldest player on the cast at 47. It's, yeah, such a unique cast in hindsight. Again, you look at it back then and you, you're probably thinking, who are these people? Uh, you know, as I said, there's a few here that I don't, I don't, I still don't know outside of Survivor, but they all bring such an element. And like, let's be honest, let's look at the celebrity uh, champions versus contenders cast. You know, outside your, your Lily, your Lasselers, your, your, your Matt Rogers, your Andrew Eddinghausens, you know, Stephen Bradbury's, these big names who we all know. No one knew who David Jeanette was three years ago. No one, unless you followed modelling. Like, you're not going to know who he is. You know, Pia Miranda hadn't been talked about in 20 years. You know, and what you talk about Nicole Dixon being known as Bobby. What's Pia Miranda known for? Looking for Ella Brandy. That's all she's known for. You know, it's kind of like, it's a very similar casting model that you have. And that goes back to our point about you're not going to get these A-listers on there. You're going to have to kind of fill it up with these people. But let's also be honest, that in the grand scheme of things, doesn't turn out to be a bad thing because, okay, Daryl Summers is playing against Rove and Koshi and, you know, Dicko's playing instead. Are, are these big-name celebrities going to play as hard? Are they are they going to play as safe? Are they going to play to win? Like, are, are they going to go out there and, and do this? Because they're going to be more worried about their brands because they're bigger. You know, they're going to be thinking oh, why am I here? They're going to be more likely to quit because they're going to be like, oh, well, why did I do this? This isn't what I was thinking. They're not secretly giving me, you know, a chicken burger behind the scenes and things like that. So I think at the end of the day, by getting players on this level who are maybe, oh, who are they? They're not celebrities. We get better gameplay. And I think kind of going back to my point about how this kind of bridges that gap between the old school and the new school, we get some great gameplay this season. And it's not over-the-top gameplay. It's not as subtle as it was in Season 1. It's not as over-the-top and overbearing as we get in the Channel 10 seasons. We just get some subtle little play. You mentioned Nicole Dixon being a great game player of Australian Survivor. She's not flashy like Katie Gold or, you know, Rob Dixon manipulating or anything like that. She's not David Jeanette. She's she's not in your face and all this sort of way. She does it in such a subtle way that you've really got to nitpick and go, wow, she's really good at this. Imogen is another player. Both the Nicole-Imogen alliance in this season, you might argue, is the strongest pairing we've ever had in Australian Survivor. There's an argument for it. There really is. And there's a lot of that going on this season. The Puppet Master... David is so good at what he does in this season. There, you know, Amber basically makes a move in this season which kind of changes things up. Then we kind of get shifts and alliance. We get real alliance shifts in this season that, you know, we won't get until season four, maybe. So, like, there's lots going on here with this cast that I'm going to say you're not going to get with A-listers and people that we maybe wanted to see on this season. And it's important to mention that Justin Melvey, he wanted to win this game. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> a little he bit was too willing, much. <laughs> he was willing to do anything to win this game. Yeah, and, and that you talk about the mystery of Ben Wynn this season. The one that I really want to get, like when we went into season one, we'd heard about the, the so-called mutiny, you know, at the final four. We, we, we kind of knew. It was in Surviving Survivor. It wasn't a secret. We kind of got to the bottom of it. You know, it's, the story's been told. The one that I feel, the biggest question I have for everyone this season is what the hell happened with Justin Melvin bribing people? Because it's alluded to, 
It's slightly mentioned, but it is edited to a point where if Justin's admitting anything, nothing's shown, nothing is answered at all. We get the allegations, we get an apology, but nothing more. It's it's like Nicaragua, where there's allegations that, you know, there were briberies going on about mortgages and everything along those lines. This is that. And that is what I want to find out. Like, and this is where you're gonna we're gonna be interesting talking about Justin because is it cheating? Is it what's he doing? Like, is it wrong? Is it morally wrong? If it's not written in the rules, it's not wrong. You can do what the fuck you want, basically, within those letter of the rules. We talked about it last season with someone like Lucinda who technically wasn't written in the rules that she couldn't vote for herself, so she did. And generally in Survivor, it is against the rules to bribe or collude to share money or do things like that. But if this wasn't written in the rules for this season and Justin's doing it, then what's the problem? So, uh, yeah, lots of talk about with Justin bribing people this season. I Yeah, wow. Um, I bet you now know who Justin Melby is, right? So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm just actually, just quickly, we, we talked about it to Matt Carr in our final episode of season one about uh, the the old forum that he was involved in back in the day. Uh, Joel's big one, basically, was his name on that. I've, I've dug that up here to see, because there is a bit of talk around the celebrity one, and I've just found the very first post uh, from August 10th, 2006, uh, a user by the name of Eskimo Joe, I wonder if that's the actual band Eskimo Joe posting there, uh, says, Just been launched, Celebrity Survivor at Yahoo 7. This series actually looks fair dinkum. Fair bit of info on the website, including the pleasure machine with a jumping up and down emoji. Check out the video section in the top right if you missed tonight's sneak peek. Looking forward to this one. And I, this is like a real time capsule here to feel what people were thinking back in 2006. Uh, a user by the name of Airprang says, thanks, EJ, looks like it's starting to happen. So far, it looks a better effort than the site 9 put up for S-Oz. I love how they've spelled it, like how we used to abbreviate Survivor Oz. <laughs> uh, Twig says, I didn't know Bobby was in it. I remember her from Home and Away in the 80s. I will go for Bobby and Gabrielle until I see the show and possibly change my mind. There you go. So they're the three comments that people were talking about in the lead-up to that uh now there's a few other posts here i won't go through all of them but uh yeah it's, it's kind of unique to get that mindset because another thing i, I want to do throughout this season and i implore everybody we said this last season but please do it this time around as well of course these episodes are all available on the official survivor youtube channel all of these episodes are available none of them are missing like they were for season one and i'm going to go through the user comments on youtube and kind of see what people think of each episode because that is a a really good uh, I guess, analysis of kind of people's thought and everything along those lines. So uh, kind of going along with the fans, Matt, getting that that context of how we were feeling at the time and I guess modern perspective of people watching these episodes uh, 15 years later. And I'm interested because, like I said, I wasn't around um, during this time. So I'm interested to find out how much hype there was and, and what fans were actually thinking at the time. Not you know Not just the lead up to it, but then once that first episode hit, and throughout the season, what uh, what they actually thought of the show, because I have no idea. So this is all, for me, will be a, a real learning curve for me as well to, to find out the hype around this show at the time. Another another post here, actually, this is a real time capsule, the, the post by Madcap03, posted on the 31st of May 2006. So this must have been about when it was actually announced. It is literally, is Celebrity Australian Survivor a good idea? Uh, so somebody here says, uh, I'll check it out, but it's no doubt going to be as painful as Celebrity Big Brother, perhaps worse. 
Imogen Bailey, who's rumoured to be a contestant, must really, really be desperate with Celebrity Big Bro and a resume and now this. I hope she's doing it to pay for the electricity bills as opposed to thinking it will be a massive hit. Um, another one here says, I chose no, please kill me. At least being negative about it means that this is even the tiniest bit good. I will be surprised. Somebody here says, this is likely to suffer from similar problem to All Stars, although maybe not quite as bad. One of the main elements for Survivor to me is that the contestants are blank slates to both the audience and each other. They are then able to choose how they portray themselves, both the audience and each other. See, this, this actually is a very good point. I'm glad I mentioned this because, again, context. We are in a period of Survivor where returning player seasons aren't the norm. People complain about returning players. All Stars, not a popular season at the time. It's kind of grown on to be a bit more loved. Uh, to take credit for that. I've always loved it, just saying. Uh, and then I remember when Bobby John and Stephanie came back in Guatemala, people were like, oh, really? Like, what is this crap? Like, people were so against returning players. So to kind of have this format, that's why a lot of people bemoan this, because to them, Survivor is still new players. This is what we want. Whereas nowadays, we're so used to returning players. We expect it. We kind of want them now, don't we? We want them for the big moves, the big players, kind of things like that. And that's maybe why we're more accepting of a champions versus contenders. So yeah, that's a really important thing to mention here, why a lot of fans weren't that onto this as well and rolled their eyes because it was like, oh, fuck this. I want to see new players. So um it's interesting. It's really interesting to see this. I like this one here. This goes back to my point before about saying how Australians just hate the fact that all of our celebrities when they're on these shows aren't real celebrities. Twig, our man or woman from before, as long as the celebrities are really celebrities, it would be okay. I'm a celebrity get me out of here fan in the UK, mainly because they are big names that go in and also because you see another side to them. The celebrities have to be big, popular and interesting. Don't sweat pretty things or pet sweaty things. I think that's their, their uh, signature there. My bad. Um... This is really fascinating, Matthew Dyson. I'm glad I've opened this up. What about the logo, Ben? We haven't mentioned um, the actual season two logo. It's different as well compared to the other seasons. It's like a it's a it's a smaller, longer sort of logo. W- yeah. What's your thoughts? Do you think they could have done better with that? Um, look, it's it's not season one logo, um, <laughs> which is probably my favorite logo. Uh, the season three to six, seven hasn't really changed. Uh, it's kind of standard. It's probably my least favorite of the three. Um, I don't, in terms of when you make graphics and things like that, it's pretty hard to make stuff out of this one because it is thin and kind of weird. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. I think the thing that I like about it is I like the fact that they've kind of gone with the title underneath, like they've added Vanuatu kind of in a, anticipation that maybe the next season could have been like Samoa or something like that. So they've kind of gone out of their way to prepare for that. Um, I like the font as in the, this is goes back to my point about people. Oh, this isn't real survivor. This doesn't exist. Well, it's a castaway television production using the official survivor font, which is trademarked and all that kind of stuff. So it is legit. Um, but it kind of looks like a surfboard, doesn't it? With like yeah. wings and yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Uh, it's fine. I, 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 it, the thing that's disappointing to me with the logo and, of course, the buffs or the lack... I mean, we'll talk about the... Are they buffs? Are they head? Because sometimes they've got, like, a buff on. Sometimes they've got a head a bandana. They're like bandanas. I think they're bandanas. But there's some, I swear, that are buffs because when they're wearing them as tops, they stretch out like a buff. Mm. So, like, I don't know if they had two versions. But they're they're pretty bland. There's no design to them, is there? It's they, just... they, they could have done a little bit. But at least they've got a merge buff, Ben. They do. Yeah, they do. Exactly. But um, is there anything 
else here that we're, we're missing in our preview? Kind of, I guess, maybe um, through talking about this for nearly two hours, Matt, has has this wet your appetite even more? You got a bit excited? Is there, is there things that you're kind of really wanting to learn? I mean, we'll preview what's happening in our next episode in just a moment. But, I, I mean, I'll just say, I, I mean, look, I've said many times this is going to be an interesting season to cover. I'm looking forward to getting into the episodes. Obviously, we've got less episodes this season than we do uh, in other seasons, particularly, I mean, you know, we know what's going to happen next season with our episodes. We're going to basically, we will literally be doubling the amount of episodes we have to watch for next season. But yeah, I'm, I'm just intrigued. I, I feel like I'm going to have to have my brain open to soaking all the knowledge that we're going to get this season, because as I said at the very top of this episode, we, we know the least about this season and we're going to be learning as well as we're talking basically. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, like I'm really excited because Season one, I had a lot of background to, you know, it meant a lot to me that season. This season, not so much. I, I know very little about it. Um, and I'm actually looking forward. That's that's half the fun now of this, of covering the season is we're going to learn so much along the way. Um, you know, this is our first episode of this season. I can guarantee you, Ben, when it comes to our finale for season two, the amount of information we would have learned from then is going to be extraordinary. So, that's what I'm excited about is how much we're going to learn about the season and uh, what it actually took to, to, to not only get the cast on this show, but to actually create this 25 day celebrity version of the show in Australia. Next week is going to be a very exciting episode because we're going to do something a little bit different this season. We're kind of going to reverse it around like we did in season one. Of course, people remember after we had our initial introduction episode, then we did our welcome to season one episode. We then, of course, had the host of season one on in the following week, uh, uh, Lincoln House. Let's say Lance Brooks was the host of season one. Well, that would have been interesting. (laughs) Could have gotten Lance to host this season. Um, But, of course, we had Lincoln on for episode three, that was at the time. Our second episode of season two... Uh, episode 38 of ASA will be with none other than the executive producer of this season, David Mason. Now, of course, we save save Stephen Peters for last, basically. We're going to do it differently. We're going to bring the EP on first this time around because I, I guess the thing we found with our Stephen Peters interview is that we interviewed Stephen basically at the very beginning, but we thought, no, let's hold this off. We'll air this last. The issue we found with that, of course, is that we learnt a lot along the way that kind of made that interview almost semi-redundant in the fact that we couldn't follow up with some of these things that we learnt before we interviewed Stephen. Now, of course, we face a similar thing here with David Mason, the fact that we're going to be interviewing him before we're going to learn a whole bunch of stuff. But the difference is we will air this first, so you're going to learn at the same time as we will. And then, of course, by the end, we're going to know different things. We can maybe get him back on or we can just kind of go back to this episode and kind of hear a little bit about where we were going with that. So I I think the thing that I'm going to find this very interesting, Matt, in speaking to David is that while with Stephen Peters, we had the straightaway, like, why wasn't there a merge buff? What happened in the first challenge? You know, why didn't it succeed? All this kind of stuff that we've always wanted to know. Yeah, we've got this question to David, but I feel like we're going in with a completely open door here. Like, fuck, David, tell us about this season. Like, we know nothing about it. Like, just go to town. Like, so I almost feel like we're going to get some unique knowledge next week. This is going to be a perfect starting point by talking to the executive producer of this season. Yeah, uh, we, we both discussed about when we would air the David Mason interview. And and we, we're both in the same boat. We don't know a lot about the season. So we, we decided that, it's going to be important to get that out straight away because we will learn a lot, no doubt, from David 
um, about the season, which will help us, I guess, ask more questions to the contestants later on down the track. So I, I think it will work. I think having him straight up, we will learn a lot straight up and that will help us you know, throughout the season. It's, it's going to be fascinating. That, that will be next week. So by all means, stay tuned to that. And uh, that means that we will then, of course, try and save Mr. Ian Dicko Dixon potentially for last. So uh, I think that's kind of a nice little roundabout way of uh, doing it. But uh, it's going to be a very exciting time to speak to David. Tune in for that. In the meantime, of course, it's been a while since I've had to go all through these, Matt. But by all means, social media channels are out there. Please uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and Instagram. Are we going to do a challenge this season? Of course, we don't have an audition tape, unfortunately, this year. Maybe, like, do we... Does one of us have to, like, sing Kiss Kiss, or do we have to perform a duet? <laughs> uh, what? Don't Sorry, know. is that... I'm starting to... Is that Imogen Bailey's song that I'm starting to hear yeah, right I'm now? I'm hearing it in the background. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, no, I think... Um, really good ears, oh, Matt. Who, it is. It is. Thank you. Uh, I've never heard it before, so I just wanted to make sure that that's definitely Imogen Bailey. You know Queen when you hear it. You hear, oh, that, that sounds like royal music right now. Um, I reckon whoever can track down Ben Wynn, because I've had no, no, um, a lot of trouble and no, you no luck. You can't find your Ben. You still found Ben Dark. Come on. No, so whoever tracks Blood him hell, down. Matt can't find a Ben. Well, what's, yeah. the, what's the bet, though? Like, I mean, like last season it was get to a certain amount of likes, we'll show your audition tape. This season, what is it? Like, whoever tracks him down, the other has to do a live rendition of Kiss Kiss on air? <laughs> oh, shit. Look, Ben, I already I already put my bloody audition tape I out there. I got naked for this show, Matt Dyson. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll work on it. We'll think about it, and we'll work out what we're going to do. He doesn't want to commit to Kiss Kiss. Oh, you're a chicken. Um, we'll work it out. Send us suggestions. Uh, send us suggestions of what we can do. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. It's been so great to come back. It's been a, a long time uh, between drinks, of course, a few months off between uh, Season 1 and Season 2, but we're so excited to be back here and get into this season. Get excited. Get some dicko into ya. And maybe get some Milton Flirtly. I, I've lost where that is going. My name is Ben, and just shut up and listen, Imogen. My name's Matt Dyson, and... How good would a big Kev been on this season?
than I could. G'day, I'm Big Kim, and I'm excited.